Welcome, Scott with Leading the Edge Archery. This is podcast number 455. We stopped numbering them a long exactly. time ago. We're not that important yet. Now, one of these days we'll actually keep track. I know we're on season two. Are we really? I yeah. figured Scott just couldn't count that high. Exactly. Dude, I can't, I can't really see my toes. He's an engineer, not a mathematician. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> this is true. Shut up. I was an engineer too. A flight. <laughs> By title. You're so stupid. Oh, man. No, when are we going to finish season two? Like, how many episodes are we going to go into season two before we call it quits? Are we taking a summer hiatus? What the hell does that mean? I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Doing? I've been drinking. Yeah, you must be. Pecan, praline, and coffee this early in the morning. But no, seriously, we're, we're on like <coughs> episode 15 of this year. Oh, okay. I was going to say. Because we've actually been on a roll. So We've actually been doing it weekly, which is kind of weird. Yeah. No, so what we do, I thought we'd just recap. You know, there's always something going on in archery. Archery's getting, archery's getting to the point now where there's, you remember be, the only news you would hear in the past was contract signing year, you know, month around October, November. And now it seems like every month there's something going on or every week, something big. Yeah. So. I mean, the big thing is you were talking about season one and two and people need to understand that this is our last episode ever. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Whatever. April Fools. Good one. Oh, Got I him. forgot about that. <laughs> Except this isn't going to come out on April 1st. It's okay. <laughs> so it you want to hear something funny? Homeboy over here, like, freaked out and got suckered. <laughs> yeah, with the Jimbo morning. Fisher <laughs> thing. Jimbo Fisher thing. Yeah. They came I out. I forgot said, what day it was. And then I opened up Instagram and I saw, I was like, what? Jimbo Fisher's leaving. <laughs> yeah. And he started crying. Well, I, I saw I crying. Good the first You one called I your saw. father. Yeah. Well, because he likes Aggie football too. So I figured he'd care. Yeah. No. And then he laughed at me because I didn't realize what it was. <laughs> the only two people in this world that care. Exactly. Huge Aggie fans. He's a good coach. Yeah. He's, he knows he's what all he's right. doing. He's all right. The I think the, the first one good, I saw was, the it, first one I saw this morning was the the Bisker Whisket, the Twister Bisker. So I'm, I'm going to give Dudley credit. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That was bad. The, that was hilarious. Was, Hoyt always does one where they had like the fuzzy the glass bow, bow last yeah. year. The glass bow. Yeah. I like the Hesla last year. The Hesla. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of starting to be kind of like the, the in thing to do for archery companies. Yeah. Make, make, make bad jokes. Yeah, exactly. What was, was it Hooligan or somebody else put out something today that was like the, the um, gold tip butt plug? <laughs> no, it was, uh, some, he goes like archer or archery companies on April fool's day. I'm oh, yeah, a yeah. comedian oh, myself yeah, the, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 The, the Spider-Man, um, yeah. William Defoe. William Defoe. Yeah. You know what though the the Hoyt one with the fuzzy bows, mm -hmm. I wouldn't put that past anybody. It's like back in the day when we, oh, you yeah. owned a motorcycle. Yeah, you used to know people that used to fur their motorcycles. Yeah, they fur their tanks. Yep, 100%. And, and it'd be all fuzzy. Yeah, just it was a biker, the thing to do. Just the biker version of a furry, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and they went to comic con shows. Yeah, they did. Probably did. It's funny. Oh man! Well, we just got back from Fort Benning, Georgia, and the second tour stop of the ASA. Yep. That was awesome. It was fun. Even it, that that tournament was, without a doubt, the softest course I've ever shot. So it's funny you said we the, talked about the K fifty and known pro and known pro one, class day one course. <clears throat> I wonder. I wonder what the unknown pro course was looked like. It had was it? Oh, it was the same. It course. was the same. They shot. Those uh, no, they shot A and B. A and B. Okay. I don't know. We shot B. A and C. Yeah, we shot C first day, then A. A the second day. I want to okay. tell you, like he Bridger said, we've shot harder courses in Texas, set up by clubs. Like, well, I mean, there's a yeah. reason that it was 50 up. The 
Yeah. Top four. I mean, four, it took 48 well, up to make that shoot down. But the interesting yeah, thing no is I think Paige shot the best score Paige out of all people. She shot 50 up as well. Yeah, she shot 17 out of 20. On she shot, she, yeah. yeah, she shot 50 up for the weekend. Yeah, that's pretty the, awesome. The scary thing is for the unknown, that A course, I mean, as, as soft as it might be, I mean, it was yeah. long and dark. <laughs> I know what like you're a, laughing you at. You said it was a Don't like say a, it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it. No, it was, it was just, I mean, it wasn't that I would say a was a normal course. Yeah. Like that was a very like, typical run of the mill, typical yeah. unknown known pro course. Yeah. Like I, like that one, a good score in that course, you shoot 20 up on a day one. On, if that was a day one course, like you'd be feeling, feeling yeah. all right. The only thing I found was shooting it at eight o'clock in the morning was, it was a little yeah, dark I, and those, they I'm, set up those I'm, dark <clears> targets <throat> The furthest out. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to a couple, like Mike and a couple other guys about it. And the reason we have to shoot so damn early is because on Saturday they have to get the known, yep. the, the known amateur classes out there. Yep. But damn, when are we going to stop shooting it? Like well, so seven, it's eight, funny eight, you bring that up and I was going to talk about it. The, you know, for those of you who don't know, ASA has been purchased at least partially. Mm -hmm. I think it's a joint venture now between Terrell and Mr. Grind. Mm -hmm. um, and, What's your opinion, Bridger? I mean, do you see any changes or do you see anything coming down the pipe that might change or are we going to put in I mean, status, I've status talked quo? to, I've talked to grind a couple things about a couple things, mostly just the, like, why the hell do I have to get up at 5am to shoot exactly. my bow 20 times right? and stare into the, into, stare into to, the to, sun, into the tunnel sun. <laughs> Dude, like, I remember shooting London. My first target last year was like a 48 hey. yard Turkey and I'm looking at the turkey and literally like half only half of the sun it's I could up. see, but the half of the sun I could see was covered by the turkey <laughs> I was shooting at. And I mean, if you've ever been to London shooting on the power lines, you know, you're shooting God. one side, you're shooting uphill and the other side, you're shooting downhill. And we were shooting uphill on that day. So and right like, it. oh dude, you're staring right at the sun. Yeah. Just looking Terrible. at it going, St. Peter, can you please guide my <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. seriously glare staring at the pearly gates yeah but, but i mean well, have, and i tell you the other thing and i i, I think we need you know you, you spent three hundred dollars in entry fee I, we should not be fighting amateurs for practice range time that drives me insane they need yeah, to have I a mean, pro practice well range. and that's why i, I like getting there wednesday because i can get <clears> at least one time. good day of practice on the on the target before the targets are destroyed yeah because well hell there in in uh fort benning like i went and shot on th at thursday at like 11 o'clock in the morning and it looked like our targets after the last arrow on day two. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. On the course. Like they were beat to shit right. already. So. And the lines are so long. You oh, wait man. I waited, I waited in line for an hour and a half. Yeah, I mean, the best practice you can get is go shoot a GPO. And even then. Yeah. yeah and you're spending 20 bucks, but I agree with you. Yeah. So I'd rather spend the $20 on a GPO with a chance of maybe winning some money to make it a practice round. Because if you really want to win money, I learned this trick from uh, Preston who shoots in the pros. You go shoot. Go shoot the GPO after your second round on Saturday, and you get a you got aiming marks for every target. And B there's no there's no line, so yep. it's like well, yeah. this is true because I I went out and tried to shoot on Saturday yeah. and there was nobody, so I, I was like that ah, just roll it to next one. No kidding, I didn't want to shoot alone. That's awesome, but no, there's some. I, I'm hopefully that, so far we haven't seen a lot of change. Um, Not yet. Well, yeah. it was also I mean we've had two tournaments so far this year. Yeah, this right. all happened at the beginning of the year. The little bit I've talked to him. Um, like the biggest thing, if there is anything, was potentially doing like a pro only ranges. Mm -hmm. 
So, and it would be like, if the four of us are shooting on pro, then we'd shoot range A, two of us would shoot range A the first day, the other two would shoot range B the first day, and then you'd flip flop. Right. That way, if you you have an average of 100 guys, you're going to have 50 and 50. Yeah, and that'll help eliminate are you know five six five six guys six shooter plugging up target or yeah. having to have a sit out group or whatever it wasn't too bad this time around it's but still that faster was, it doesn't no, matter that was still shooting quicker foley's always always yeah. a crazy well attended event that one's usually for us at least in the known pro our highest attended event yeah when i think because gas every, prices helped us out on this well one yeah but right. foley's always busy because every all the t- or all the paper shooters are like hell yeah man i'm gonna get a 3d this year <laughs> they go and shoot it and like well that was shoot like four up on the weekends. Like, holy shit, this stuff's this is hard mean, as I thought. What do you mean? I can't see what I'm pointing at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, gas prices. Also, you know, honestly, I think gas prices did affect that tournament somewhat. I mean, that's why I, mean, I didn't. You go didn't go to, to nationals. Day. Yeah, Bridger it missed it. Cost me nationals. like eight hundred dollars to drive up in gas. No, that ain't worth it. And flights right now are going. Flights up. are insane. Yeah. So you can't well, even fly anywhere. I'm trying to look at flights to get to Reading and. This is where Thank I'm goodness at. I got like that companion ticket deal, so you know I can split it with Courtney when we both because we're both going and yeah. But I mean, it's like five, six, seven hundred dollars just to fly to California. Really? Mm-hmm. From here? Is that with that companion ticket or just if you buy? That's it for, that's for one ticket. Wow. So we'd be splitting that, but still, still like one standby. ticket. Yeah, that's yeah. insane. Take off two days early and try and fly yeah. standby. Yeah. Man, yeah, I hope, I hope my bags show up like wherever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. hey, you just tear my bow apart and ship it. Maybe just Roger, UPS. Roger Willett used to do that. He'd tear his bow apart and ship it. Yeah, like put it in a, a big box idea. and just ship it. UPS it out there and I'll catch up with. Seriously, you. he'd like pull his limbs off, take his rest off, like bare box, box it like put it in a box, like a like a small box, and then ship it and ship it. Probably cost him about eighteen bucks. Like, yeah, man, it's cheaper than cheaper than. Uh, Paying for an airline or cheaper than paying baggage, baggage fees. fees. Hell, with like, oversized show, show up at a boat shop and be like, hey, can I put my boat back? <laughs> Use your breast and put my boat together. There you go. No, smart, actually. Yeah, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what the new ownership does and changes. There. But so far, the tournament's been well attended. A lot of people yeah. shooting their I bows. Think, I think right now, the only hot hot topic thing is the, the Proctor call. Yeah, stuff. So, no, we had a meeting. Because we had that. the meeting there on. Was it Friday morning? Before there must have been a couple of groups that that affected because I didn't see, see I don't, a lot of it. I don't understand like what the issue is with it. So because here, if you've got real you, quick, let's recap what the problem is. So in, in the known pro class, you can get a proctor call to basically mediate it, called it, arrows. It's a same as a line judge inside if yeah, you're shooting gotcha. indoor and outdoor events. Right. Line judge call. Line judge call. Right. So, but the way they've changed the wording on it is basically if you have three guys in a group or five guys in a group and because the archer can't score their own arrow, so that his vote doesn't count. So you got four guys calling an arrow, and if it's 2-2, two, two, then mm-hmm. the proctor gets called. Right. So it's no longer up to the archer to, to say, decide. like, if, like, the four – before, if, it, if the four of us were shooting – and you guys all called my arrow an eight, and I thought it was a 12, I could call the proctor, but that's no longer the case anymore. It's got to be a split. Now it has to be a split split decision but in my head like why not just why not just do if they want to eliminate the proctor which i don't know that that's the case but that seems like what they're trying to do or trying to limit proctor calls is if you don't want to have them and you got five guys in your group if it's two two tie goes to the archer agreed 
So you got if you got five guys in your group, four guys calling, it's two two for in, two in, two called in, two called out. Boom, Archer gets it. Yeah. If it's three to, or if it's four guys in a group, three guys are calling. Like obviously, there's not going to be a tie. Right. We're never going to have an event where we're only shooting three archers in a group, and at least in the known divisions where they have the proctor calls. Right. So, I don't know. I, yeah. I guess I don't. If they're worried about it, like I don't see why. I think they have to have it. I don't think yeah. it's eliminating. It's the right call. Well, and I've always been in the opinion it should be like a coach's challenge in football. Well, yeah, I was going to say like you, you get one event or whatever. You get you get one per event. Yeah, if one you, per range. If, if, if you guys you, call you, my you arrow, yeah, if you guys call my arrow out and I want to say it's in, and Proctor calls like, it just in. let the Proctor know about it. Like say, yeah, this is what this is what the group called it. This is what I want it called. Call this arrow, and if he calls it, who. You know, if he Who calls it uh, in for you, the shooter. Yeah, like if I'm the one that calls a proctor because I think it's a, I think it's in, in, and it gets called in, then I get to keep it. You get to keep the proctor. The yeah. call. If yeah. you if you lose it, if you lose your call, you lose your lose your proctor, and you're done. If you for win that it, round. you keep it. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a great idea. And I would even say do, <clears throat> I mean, if it, they want to make it easier to track, uh, then I would say maybe do one per day one just per to day. avoid yeah. the confusion of. Because everybody shoots in a different group on the day two after we exactly. peer group. Yeah, you're not peer group. Yeah, right. And if it's if you're in a totally new group with nobody you've shot with, say you got nobody that you shot with on either side of you, right? And it's one per weekend. Like, what's stopping a guy be like, well, That's how f it. these guys? Like, I'm a I'm a just call another proctor. Oh. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess we always have the same range guy, range official on the course yeah. for Still. the known pros from day to day. But, but you are splitting up and being peer group, so it is a different group of guys. So right. you can get used to. Cause we had the same issue. We had a guy who's obviously was going to hard call everybody. We got we got on target one. And we go up there, and we had a guy close to uh, 10, 12. And I, I, I'm a scorekeeper, so you, we can't say anything. Scorekeepers, and I don't think people realize that. Your scorekeeper is really just sitting there. It's you're, a, you're doing nothing but math. Yeah, you do That's math, it. and then if there's a, dis- if there's call a dispute, dispute, then, then you, you have get to call. up and look right. at it. Yeah. Well, the, the two guys calling kind of looked at it, and they were they just didn't know which way to go. And then the guy pulling, the third guy was, says, out, you know, I know how I'd call that target. And I was like, okay, this guy's going to be one of those guys. So I... You know, they looked at us, the two scorekeepers, said, what do you all think? And I said, look, I got to tell you one thing. We're going to call that arrow hard. We're calling 19 arrows hard today, 19 targets. And everybody kind of stopped and thought. Because it was funny because it kind of reset everybody's brain. Oh, yeah. Because then they thought, man, I don't know if I want to do that if it's my arrow. Mm. Well, know? it's just so weird because, like, I mean, I'm never saying, like, if I got a close arrow, like, and I'm say I'm calling, I got one of my arrows are close. Like, I'm going to tell people what I think it is because right. – it blows my mind that people walk up to an arrow, look at it, and be like, I don't know, and then have somebody else look at it because they're afraid to offend somebody by calling correct, it out. Like, correct. it can only be one of two things. Just call, call fucking arrow. Yeah. Like, tell me Sit what it is. If somebody disagrees with you, or, like, if somebody's like, hey, I don't think it's that, like, get up there and look at it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, the archer themselves don't get a vote, but I had plenty of arrows this weekend, or not plenty, but I've had plenty of arrows in the past where I've said, hey, this is my arrow, this is what I think it is, and I'll say this is why I think it's like this, and try to plead my case right? and convince somebody else that that's why they need to call my arrow in or out or if it's somebody else's arrow, whatever. Right. So I, it's just odd to me that people walk up to look in an arrow and be like, I, but, no, no, somebody else do it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Line pulling was about non-existent this tournament. I mean, most of our targets were pretty, that yeah, new material. They, I think that new material, I like, I like it. I like it's, it too. It there. I wouldn't say that there's a less line pulling. It's just more. I don't. Know, it's easier to call arrows. Well, because you can that see line, the cut edges pretty. Yeah, sharp. that 
they're they stay sharp they're not getting worn out you know with arrows hitting the line before yeah. that soft foam it hit the line and it would kind of match distort it, it. Yeah. distort it oh yeah i um, agree we did have one target that and i think it was honestly just a factory blem but like on a i think it was a wolf the whole left side of the upper 12 there was no line Oh, like it looked gone. like, yeah, it just looked like somebody stabbed it with it. a fork 500 times. Hmm. Like there was just no line at all. Yeah. That but had to be a factory plan. We I, it had to have been. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, but that's, yeah, that was probably the um, biggest but, point of contention this past week. So, yeah. Is that, and so. I, I mean, on the same line of arrow calling, my other not favorite thing ever, or my other least favorite thing is when somebody, like we get it, you got one arrow call that's close. Everybody looks at it. One person thinks it's out, and everybody else is like, "Oh yeah, I can see it." So you get it called in. Then you go to the next target, and that same the guy that thought the other arrow was out has a close one that's, you know, close. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you could kind of go either way. And they look at it, and their first line of defense is, "Well, if that if that arrow over there was called in, then this one has to be called in." Yeah, exactly. Like what? I mean, no, it doesn't. You're like, a whole it could, shaft out. It could dude. still be out. Like, exactly. I, I'm sorry that that one looked like that, and this one looks like this. Yeah, exactly. But like, I, I, suck I mean, less. Suck less. Try harder. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. But I don't. That is probably one of my least favorite things when it comes to arrow calls. Yeah, or people calling arrows. Yeah. Oh, well, that one was in. Then you this always get. In. You always get the guys who are campaigning for calls before they even get to the damn target. Yeah. I mean, they're already setting a precedent. They're letting you know that how. That one's going to be close, but it's in. And then there, the, I mean, I've, we had a couple guys, Foley, one guy, that was doing that every mm-hmm. target. I mean, he's back here and back. Oh, that's a call. And I've got to be looking at God dang, dude, that's close. And you know, and that's what I always say: too close to call. You know, yeah. let's not put. I it. mean, yeah. I, the campaign, only reason I'm using I use binos and spot guys is because, <clears throat> like, at least for me, like I want to know where you. my arrow hits right. right away after I shoot because I still I know where Make my pin was when it broke. Right. And if my arrow is not in that position like i want to know about it yeah so i can know if i need to adjust my sight for the next target because you got you get 20 arrows and if your sight's off like you need to be able to adjust your sight and make you know make uh improvements your sight and everything yeah you know one air like after one arrow it ain't like shooting here where i can go get a sight tape where i'm getting a sight tape outside (laughs) and i'm shooting eight arrows at at a time at a 3d target exactly like yeah i need to know right Right away. away so i noticed something this week um I've actually last couple of tournaments. A lot of guys shooting twenty sevens this year. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. Um, just because, you think it's got a lot to do with just clogged up twelve rings and just trying to get every point they can get? I don't know. I, I mean, don't... it can't be flight forgiveness and stuff. It's I don't know. I, I mean, Perkins is shoot, he switched from twenty five to twenty sevens, and I asked him why, and he just said that bow was shooting twenty sevens better. Better. Yeah. Justin Hanna's always shot twenty sevens. Stackers always shot twenty sevens. Got Jesse shooting twenty sevens. Yeah, yeah he was, he's the one I was shot. Steve was shooting twenty sevens, and yeah, so was I mean, Rio. I mean, all these guys were shooting twenty yeah. sevens. I don't know. I mean, I I'm still of the mindset that I don't think it matters how big your arrow is if it doesn't hit behind the pin. It like matter. it doesn't doesn't matter. Right. And like when I asked Chris why you shoot him, he's like, I just hit behind the pin more than twenty five. <laughs> like I. So make, he's just benefiting on both sides. Yeah, like exactly. you know, it ben- he, he's hitting behind the pin more, and it's a bigger arrow. Right, so it right, just right, so right. happens it works out both directions for him. But the fact that guys chase line think cutting, they're, yeah, if they're if they're chasing line cutting, but can't shoot a group the size of a twelve ring at forty yards yeah. with an arrow, then like, what's the point of using it? Right. Mm-hmm. If your group's the size of the ten ring, like you're probably not going to benefit from that one sixty fourth of an inch, right. or 
you know, one thirty second of an inch, you benefit you get going from a 25 to a 27 or a 23 to a 27. So crazy question. Cause I didn't hear what happened. Um, maybe you did. Cause I was just curious. Cause I know there were some big polarizing score changes day to day. And one that comes to mind is chance chance was 30 I, some up day one. And then I shot two up day two. I mean, dude, I, did you hear? Did he miss or? I, I don't know. I it? think he just didn't have it's it. It's a tough I mean, day. Just tough I day. Yeah, I was shooting next I mean, to them. There's dudes that'll shoot 10 under on a, a at Augusta and go back, play the same course the next day and shoot 10 over. Like, I, <laughs> during the Masters. Like, yeah, I, that's true. Shit there's happens. no explanation. Yeah. yeah, I shot next to Stefan and Chance and, mm-hmm. um, I forget who, oh, Kyle and those guys. You know, you could, you could see it in their face. They hit some and they missed a whole bunch Dude, more. Uh, sometimes it's just, sometimes it just ain't there. Yeah. Like, I, I, there's no other explanation that I just ain't got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know. know. I was, I was cold and miserable that second morning. <laughs> it was chilly the second morning. It was chilly. Hey, but you know what? <laughs> it was the good thing, and I don't even bring it up really because, God, I hope I don't hex it, but we haven't had any, uh, no, no, wet don't stuff. say it. Yeah, don't say it. No, it's yeah, gonna okay. rain the rest of the season every day. <laughs> I'm gonna be sitting out. I'm gonna be sitting hey, out in Louisiana like a wet dog. The one good thing Jesus about nice. the one good thing about it raining is that I means on Saturday morning you don't have to stare into the sun. Uh, yeah, I'd rather shoot in the rain than stare in, in the, in the sun. I mean, actually, we already did have rain. That first yeah, day it, in it Foley. did rain in Foley no. first day. I mean, it sprinkled a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, they don't have any control. But you know, one of the things that I would have looked at as a as a range guy in the past. Is in making sure that we are shooting north south, just to eliminate Instead of the east, whole west. problem set at east west. It seems like every freaking course well, is set some, at east west. Some of that's some of that's <clears> just the venue. Like, well, I mean, that's what I mean. The venue and where it is, about it right? In like a place like London, right? But I agree. Yeah, it's a it's a hell of a lot easier being able to just pop an umbrella up and yeah, and do then it. Those and a lot of those the, aren't those ranges cut for years now. Well, they have been they because we've, the same we've been going there so far. Range forever. But we've been there so many years is why. But I mean, as a range guy cutting them first time ever, I would be cautious the direction. I would be north south, period. Yeah. Just eliminate that variable because it's a pain in the butt. Like Bridger said, you get up at seven thirty in the morning and that sun is staring directly in the front of your lens. Oh, it yeah. sucks. Hell, even when it's behind you, the glare coming off of it. Yeah, is, but at least there But you like can't shade that behind you, it's man. You can shade it. Right. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately you can't shoot through the umbrella. <laughs> you get one of them like turkey decoy things you bolt onto the front of your with the hole on. <laughs> have a have a little hole for your sight window. Yeah, there you go. A slightly larger one for your yeah, arrow. It's not against the rules. Yeah, that's hilarious. No, but that was it's been a it's been a pretty good season. It's been like I said, Fort Benning was the easiest range. I, I thought I've, they put us on the wrong thing. I've never shot long. a range like that. It was like no. shooting a 45 course. It was. Dude, like. I, we had like four targets in a row that were under 35. I, I mean, between 35. and I bet we we had, I bet there were six to seven targets on that range under 35 yards. 100%. Which is and do you remember? Nuts. And I don't know if you remember, but like 16, I think through 21, they were all that. Yeah. I mean, because oh, we yeah. started on 16. We got the next one. It was like we didn't even 30. And we got the next one. It was like 34. I'm like, what? Day one, we didn't even hit max. No. The longest target was like 49 and a half. 48 and a half, 49 and a half. Yeah, yeah we never mm. even hit max. No max. Yet the year before in Foley, we had a bless buck at like 54. <laughs> like, it's just, I mean, which I think it's great that they have that parity. That parity in yeah. different ranges. Yeah. But man, that's just, it was nuts. Normally, you know, we had six, seven targets on a one, like a 120 target course. Mm-hmm. 
under 35 and normally we'll have like three or four a weekend. Right. Right. So, and even the second day, like I, I say it was a normal range. Like I was average on the shorter side of average. Right. You know, I bet the average range on that one was like 41, 42. So I would say normally we're like, if you were to take every target and average it out, Mm -hmm. uh, and exclude, you know, like your, the couple 20 yarders we get, I bet the average on that one or on a normal course would still be like probably like 44 to 45. Right. Average. You know, we'll have like two targets a day at max. We'll have one target roughly 25. Right. And then everything else kind of bounces between 35 and 45. Okay. So day two was the max or the close to the max targets were all the low ones. Oh yeah. They always do that. I, I, that first day is the first time I've ever shot a Wolverine closer than like 47 yards. Normally, it's always Wolverine, Javelina, yeah, and Turkey. Dude, I ranged that so Wolverine at up like, like forty-eight plus. Yeah, I ranged that Wolverine at like forty-seven and a half, something like that. But it was my first target. There's yeah. no sunlight, and the trees were there. And I was like, shit. So I got but, a question. Shoot at the shoot at the blurry spot. <laughs> I thought about this when we were registering. Um, and Bridget, you you know, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I'm sure you have. And maybe we don't want to discuss this publicly, but I'm going to bring it up anyways. Um. At 300 bucks a pop, and let's say an average of 100 guys, this is average it out, that's $30,000. I'm not seeing the payouts where they're supposed to be. This is my opinion. ASA it's is be the deepest paying, deepest paying uh, organization out there behind NFA. But it's not the only reason NFA has that, more is because we, there's more shooters. But it's not coming up to 30000 even if you gave a hundred, let's say you gave eighty no, percent. I don't. Back. I don't know These what the payback is on it. It's not even close, like bro. But I think they're using that to. They take. I know they take fifteen and put it into the reup for the for the reup money. Uh, and I'm sure some of it goes to shooter of the year and gotcha. some other stuff. But I see what you're saying. Shooter of the year, rookie of the year, and reup okay. at every tournament. Because I just thought that man, if for that kind of money, I mean that kind of entry to only win what is it twenty five hundred three grand whatever first place wins, non contingency driven. I, I thought that was yeah, just, but if you pull if you, you pull numbers. if your last paid spot you make five hundred bucks really so they'll pay down I think it was what twenty places roughly uh, it's a percentage I don't remember what it is one I think three. it's roughly twenty if you got a hundred guys it's roughly twenty it's twenty yeah so I'm saying one in three I think twenty or twenty five guys get it, cut yeah. a check but then like I said you also got the re up and like I mean if you win re up and there's a hundred guys on the course mm-hmm. you you probably cut a five hundred dollar check yeah. Four or five, four to five hundred bucks. So, which I like. I mean, I think it's cool they got the re up. I'm fine with, yeah, with them taking money out of For that. out of the top to run it back down. Yeah, mm-hmm. gotcha. so it gives gives everybody something to do second day that you know shot if you're out or yeah. if you have missed out your site, missed out your site or whatever, which I'm prone to doing a lot. I didn't do it once this last time. Really, <laughs> dude, I was looking at my site. More than anything, I was like, there's 30, there's 40, there's 40. Okay, yeah. I'm good. I'm going to hit this thing. But Kid can't even read. <laughs> yeah, you just, but, I, you know, from a business perspective, I just sit there and think about, and I thought about this a lot, actually. How do you get those guys the money they need to make a living? And it's not where it is right now. Uh, you you win seven tournaments in a row. like the, but, you, <laughs> but even then, you know, like, you're not, I don't think you're making a living there. Are you? Oh, based on forty, about twenty thousand a tournament is one hundred forty grand in eight month span. Like that's pretty good. Not bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. But you got to win them all. Yeah. So once again, you're you're paying top dog. You're not paying uh, 
Yeah, and Danny's in a good position well, this year, and I'm not saying it's you know, Levi's got some great. You know, he's not been there, obviously. Yeah, and Danny's gonna. He's gonna probably sweep it. Yeah, I mean, this will probably be one of the. First, you bring that up. That's probably one of the first years that Levi has not been qualified for shooter of the year. No, mm-hmm. he'll be out now. I mean, between uh, that family friend of his passing away and then and his uh, baby having a kid. Yeah. Talk about polar opposites there. Yeah, boy. That's crazy. Yeah. All within two months. All yeah. within two months. Absolutely. Lot Life happened Dude, in life two happened, months. Man. Yeah, that's crazy. rough. I don't know. Well, actually, it's funny you say, like, how do we get guys making money? Like, I was kind of talk halfway talking about it with Jesse. And last night, I was outside shooting with him and Ryu, and I'm like, man, I, I mean, I like archery. Love archery. I'm good at it. I've been doing it my whole life, everything, but. Man, a part of me wishes when I was eight years old, my dad fought, bought me my first bow. We drove to a golf galaxy instead of a, instead of a damn. Well, you know, well it's, it's it's funny because you think about like I think about the trajectory of my career in professional archery and mm-hmm. all you know the few tournaments that I've won on the national and international level, like and where I'm at now. Not saying I'm disappointed with my life by any means, but think about how much how drastically different the trajectory of trajectory of my life would be. Had I won the PGA equivalent to a World Cup final, okay. So you know, it's funny you say in, that in indoor world look championship. At, look at Jimmy Walker. He lives here close to us. Mm-hmm. One of our customers, mm-hmm. Jimmy Walker, won the PGA, and that's it. And, but yeah. he is now set for life. And you know, it's funny you say well, that. And, and even being like, I mean, I w- I would say like, especially this year, the last couple. I mean, I had that miss that side in Foley that kept me out of the shoot down. And then I just couldn't ever get rolling in in Fort Benning, but like I still finished like twentieth. Yeah, you finished. You watch. I mean, you're shooting like good top right a now. top thirty. You yeah. finished top thirty at a major PGA event, and you're rolling. You're, <laughs> you're, you're rolling making a quarter million dollars. Dude. Well, and that bro, well, you finished last place. You make more if than you make, if you make if you make, make the, the cut. cut yeah, it's cut. like a forty five thousand dollar check. Yeah, but so that's my point. I, I guess what I because we we're, I was listening to a podcast. Everybody knows I'm a, I'm a crazy bass fisherman. And I was listening to it. We were listening to a podcast about this subject matter, and they were talking about the legends. They call them the legends, like the Rick Cluns, the Denny Browers. These guys have all won major events, like the Classic. Mm-hmm. Um, they've won, a, a, you know, they've won some big event, or they've been in the Angler of the Year for like six straight years. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens is they get a pretty much a contingency pass the rest of their career. They don't really have to qualify because they're the stars of the sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if they're not at a tournament, then it's not good for the fan base. Right. So I, I always, and I thought about you. I mean, Bridger came to mind that you would think, because our, what I've learned about archery shooting this for over the course of 30 some years and watching this on the pro side to the amateur side, you won the World Cup, which is one of the hardest tournaments in on I, the planet to I win. I mean, maybe I'm just trying to like boast, uh, boost my own ego here, but. Outside of Vegas, I would say the World Cup final is one of the hardest ones to win because, hardest, at hardest least win. in the U.S., because I got to make the U.S. team by going to all the all the U.S.ats, and right. then I got to shoot the World Cups, make enough World Cup points to get to in the top in the eight sh- on the planet to qualify, and also and also beat out you know Rio, Braden, uh, Steve, right, Tate, whoever shooting on the World Cup team at the time because they only take two from each country, right. max two from each country, right? And there have been a lot of times where three U.S. men have been in the top eight. Right. So they got to kick one guy out and pull. So pull that's, that, that's my point. Out. We don't we don't celebrate and we have no longevity 
and those accomplishments. Archery is what have you done for me lately? It's a mm-hmm. whiff of sport. It's, it's easily forgotten for some yeah. reason. And, and, and it's, it's not cool because, you know, you had a spike in your salary, you know, for two to three years to ride that train. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't stay there, you're screwed. They just, they drop you like a hot potato. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's, you got to think about it. How many, so you did that, what, six or seven years ago, right? Uh, eight years ago. Eight years ago. So, yeah. So look at, but think about this now. World Cups, 40 years worth of those, probably. World Cups? Yeah. No, they started those in 2004, 2006. Okay. okay so, so here's the deal. You're one of 20 guys. Yeah. One of 20 guys in the last 20 years. And we forget about that shit. It drives me insane. There's where we miss it as an or as a sport because it's all about who's hot at the given time, and they don't celebrate their what I call the legends. Mm-hmm. So for you, that's that's equating to winning the Bassmasters Classic. Mm-hmm. What you did, you will be on a pedestal for the rest of your career. Theoretically, you wouldn't have to fish very much the rest of your career. You would get an automatic pass entry into every major tournament you choose to because you are. At mm-hmm. any given time, well, and honestly, like he's world. not even one of twenty. He's one of less because some people have won it multiple Braden. times. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. But Sergio, I mean, Sergio's won two or three times. Yep. Uh, Braden, Braden twice. Maybe? So that which further brings my point to the to the point that we don't do it, and this is what's killing our sport. Don't do it. Well, I mean, as far as like tournament invites and stuff, it's tough with that because archery's always just been pay to play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, close, the closest we ever had to, like, an invite-only event was uh, the Pro Series over in, in, or over in uh, the UK and Europe, mm-hmm. the field stuff, mm-hmm. which I'm kind of disappointed that they all went, that kind Belly of up. went the wayside after yeah, the Brexit do. stuff, which I, I know absolutely nothing about all that. Right. As far as the tax and all that, right, you right, know, right. all that weird, goofy shit going on with that stuff, but that was the reason that they stopped hosting that tournament but i thought that was one of the coolest tournaments out there right was that pro series one and you had like you either had to shoot their q school or get a sponsor exemption um i talked to the guy at one point or another and he said that i come you know because but like i didn't shoot a q school or anything for the field deal but like he's like yeah uh you want a world cup final like, you can come. obviously <laughs> you can come to my fucking tournament <laughs> So they was, got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. that's the closest archery's probably had to an invite only deal. Right. And then Levi tried to do it with, with the OPA. OPA for a little bit mm-hmm. with the he invite. Mexico. Invite stuff. And then Ruben. Well, that one, even Ruben's like you can. But that one was open. It was an open, but he would. The majority was, was pros. Yeah. Because he would invite, he would invite all of us. Yeah. Like that tournament, the only thing I've ever paid for at that shoot is my registration for the pot mm-hmm. and. Uh, my flight and beer down there. <laughs> yeah. Which I love. I I mean, I love that shoot. I wish we'd go back to it. I think that was one of the best yeah. target venue or target style shoots out there as far as a outdoor feed of. It was goes. really cool, especially the the amount of route, round robins yeah. that you guys were shooting. Well, it was it like, it was almost the exact same format that the U.S. uses for uh, team selection procedure. Right. All in one so, weekend. Mm-hmm. And what I'm driving at, what drives me crazy, and I, you know, this has always been one of my points of contention, is that we, we as an industry, and especially from the manufacturer standpoint, we celebrate the wrong individuals. And I'm going to, man, you're talking about making some enemies, but at this point, I don't care. Um, we celebrate the wrong individuals and in pimping their product. 
Think about it. Elite, for example, you shoot for elite. You compare what you make with them versus the guy who's on television killing four white tail a year. Seriously. Now, yeah, an, an understanding, guy, guy an killing, understanding. Guy killing deer on TV is also selling the 95% of their gross sales a year. Okay. I'll, Tar- I'll, target I'll, archery, I'll take that argument. I, but Hoyt probably has the highest target archery budget on the planet. And I think so. Who was that? I can't even remember who I was talking to, but they said target archery accounted for 10% of their yearly sales. Okay. I'll agree with that to a point. I, th- I think that's that, prob- that, that was years that, ago. So I'm sure but, that's probably changed recently, especially with the influx of target guys that we've had in the last five that's years. That's what I'm saying. But is it, but okay, does it, but does that make it right? Is there a paradigm shift that we well, need to look at? Well, me, because I like making money, no, it's not right. <laughs> I think it's the fact, think well, it's the fact that, that target archery is not as televised. Or well, it's, that's not, televised, it's not promoted. It's, it's, it's not prime go, time. Go show it to, go, go have your mom watch the shoot down oh, yeah. at Fort Benning yeah. and ask her if she has any effing clue as to what's going nope. on. It's, I mean, granted, I could show turn on the masters for Courtney and she'd have no fucking idea what was happening. Well, at the either. same time I can watch but, a cricket game and not understand shit. So, but cricket. Maybe we just need to hire some like Mexican soccer announcers to, <laughs> to commentate. Yeah. Get, get a, yeah. Get some dude from Telemundo to, yeah. to announce with PJ. Oh, hold on. he's a full drop made right now, right now. <gasps> <laughs> dude, that's a good Oh, idea. I got a 14. <laughs> No, just I just freaking out. I mean, but it, I, I it is an saying. entertainment thing with that side of it, as far as promoting it to the public and all that. Yeah. yeah. But you know, but we know from the bed being on the backside of it that, you know, those guys that are going to kill those white tail, A, they're probably dumb as hammers. Half of them are pen rays. I mean, they're not even, it's not even a hunt for some, for some. I, I would say that about all of them. Not I've all of them, a lot but of, a I've, bunch I've, of them. You know, working pretty closely with Muddy for a long time yeah. and a few other, few other companies when I was living in Iowa, like, there's some guys that know what the hell they're doing. Right. But I mean, this goes back to the argument we've had or argument, but discussions we've had before right. about Insta sluts and all that other stuff. It's, right. a, you know, it's just views, getting eyeballs on it and making stuff look attractive to people so they can buy it. I mean, all these, all those well, shows are, are half hour long commercials. So they are with breaks for commercials yes. yep. well, to sell I, I, more I, I, of the products that are go, already being I go back to like, show. I go back to like Olympic events. This is a good example, like ice skating. Nobody gives two shits about ice skating for four years until the Olympics happen. And then all of a sudden you find out who they are, who the best are, well, and, you, and, you, and you watch them, and you watch them. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, I'm being throughout all that, the World Championships, the World Cups, whatever there are out there. Nobody watches it, nobody cares. You know, and these then, last Olympics actually got the most archery coverage of any Maybe Olympics archery ever. coverage, but it was a worse coverage. Oh, absolutely. Any Olympics ever. Yeah, <laughs> so it doesn't, it was, it's not saying a lot. It was there. It sucked that it was on a completely different time zone. Yeah. And the next one's going to suck too because it's on European time. European time, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the improvements are there. watching it in the morning or at night as opposed to like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. yeah. The Olympics, I mean, the, the coverage is there is just not as much as, as it's needed to. But what I, my thing is, is until some organization takes the ball and runs with it and tries to step away. Because, you know, I say this all the time. I don't, we don't post a lot about the, the kills we have in the shop or the people that we know because, dude, they're only – and I don't even like doing a podcast on it. I don't yeah. like doing information reels about it because there's only so many freaking ways you can kill a whitetail. Everybody and their grandmother is posting a picture of a whitetail they killed. 
and talking about how they did it, you know, and uh, it's just some mind boggling to look at all the go Google podcasts on white tail hunting. Oh yeah, I got you. and there's a dude. Oh man, and it, you know, Bridger and I are from the mid Midwest, and it's kind of like okay, you go find a tree, you hang it, you find, make sure you got a good travel path, and you wait. I know how I'm going to kill a white tail this year. I mean, all right. There's definitely more to it than that. I'm just but saying, that, like, yes. if you just want to kill a deer, yeah. like if you put a tree stand ten yards from a deer trail, like you'll <laughs> you'll sit there one. for a week, week, like you're gonna kill one. You're gonna kill one. Yeah, or you walk nice. out with a bag of corn on your shoulder, you open the lid, yeah, you that's fill in it Texas. up, and you set the time. You're yeah. gonna kill one. That's I mean Texas, yeah. Yeah, we're good at killing. But I'm just saying, and that's and so until someone separates that, because I go back to you winning the World Cup is a billion times harder than any hunt that you're ever going to go on. I don't care where it is and what you're doing. I mean, even hunting a, a desert bighorn up in the top of the mountains, that's a hard hunt, don't get me wrong. But to go I mean, through the- It's definitely to go hard through, in a different way. From it's, a, from it's a, mentally hard. It's, it's mentally a, tough. But from like from a consistency standpoint, the reason I say a World Cup final is one of the hardest tournaments to win outside of Vegas. Vegas is obviously hard because it's Vegas. It's Vegas, yeah. It's, it's a Super Bowl. You, you have got, to be perfect. You got 3,000 people standing behind you. <laughs> Waiting for you to miss an X, and then you, right. if you you'll be a full draw, and the guy next to you misses one, He's, and you hear, <laughs> it's, it's, it's my favorite thing about there. It's hilarious. <laughs> but stare at as it. far as like a longevity thing over the course of a year, yeah. like I said, you, in the U.S., anyways, you got to go to all all the USATs, qualify. That's first year before you even get to go to the World Cups, and yeah. then you got to go to the World Cup, score enough cup points. While you're at the shoots, while mm-hmm. also shoot at the World Cups, while also shooting good enough in the U.S. to maintain to yourself maintain on your the team spot. for the yeah. second half of the year. Yeah, right. And then you go to finals, and you've got to beat all the other top shooters. Yeah, then in you, the world. I mean, it is hard. Yeah, I mean, my it's first hard. two, uh, my matches there in when I won, my matches were uh, Sebastian Pinot. Mm-hmm. I think he had just won Indoor World the year before. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the best French shooters out there. Mm-hmm. Then Rio, who. At he's the time, won, was hotter than a he's firecracker. Won, you know, everything 10 times over. Right. And then PJ Deloge from who's, France, who was the world stunned. number one at the time. Yeah. But, yeah, he, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's interesting. I don't know. I just think we need to change the paradigm. Because, you know, I'm seeing it here, even in this, from a shot perspective, there are more, and I will say TAC has probably driven a lot of people into target archery right now. Yeah. Because you think about what they're doing, they're doing it right. They're t- taking it and promoting the hell out of that. And it's got, it's got legs now. Well, dude, you well, get I mean, a, you can, get a tax shooter, and they're like, "Wait a minute, this is fun. I can do this all year." Right? There's 3D tournaments out there. Yeah. There's money. Oh, well, and, okay. Well, you want to open that can of worms? <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys saw. I was a few months ago, maybe. But there was a a thread on the Target Archery Unlimited or whatever it is on mm-hmm. Facebook about. Mm-hmm the difference between competitive shooters and tax shooters mm-hmm. yeah. or how like tax shooters are their own little they're a genre. niche. They are. They're the crossfitters of archery. <laughs> yeah, you joke. I mean, I'm serious. If it like the hardcore guys are, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. dude, oh, yeah. you got, you can spot them a mile away. Dude. It's like the, the Sitka backpacks. It's yeah. like the meme. They come, with, they come in with Kuyu pants, Sitka shirts. Yeah, it's like the, it's like the meme Everything's on Instagram tan. where it's like, Hey, but hey, guy with the hydration bladder and walking sticks yeah, and yeah, hiking yeah. boots and stuff. My my nine year old walked this trail, walked this trail barefooted or wearing Crocs, dragging a Barbie. Yeah, like exactly. the whole way. Like yeah. take it easy. So, like but you yeah, need oh, dude, to know you go to go shoot a target. Yeah, dude. When we were in uh, Big Sky, like I wore my Sitka pants because I wanted to be cool or whatever. Right. But I literally had my backpack that I wore in high school. 
<laughs> walking around up there full of water. No, it's become seriously. We I can watch a guy come in the shop, and as soon as I said he's here for tack arrows, and bam, yeah. every time because he's in drab olive green or drab tan. He's got crispy boots on, Kuyu or Sitka pants on, and he is wearing or, or and shirts, and he's got a a, um, a Hoyt or a uh, Vortex or some you know shirt shirt hat. hat on. I mean, you can spot him a mile away. I mean, I'm appreciative of him because I, I will admit, and I said it, I've said it a hundred times, like when I went and shot Tack and Big Sky a few years ago, like that was the most fun I've ever had. Oh, it's a blast. Like the most fun I've ever had. Go back to your point though. You were saying you've seen the thing and then was, you just wasn't talking about that, just how they're their own genre now. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, that with that thread, like, I don't, it's weird because there were like, there was a bunch of dudes on that thread mm -hmm. that were like, did not like it. Like Got were pissed. not okay with Tack being only a fun shoot like right. that, which I don't understand. Like, you know, it's funny you, you say that we though. all have fun going to the golf course and you don't hear, like, I don't get on Instagram and see Tiger Woods and Jimmy Walker and all these other, uh, PGA pros getting pissed that we all like to be degenerates and gamble and drink beer and do whatever <laughs> other, golf. do whatever other shit while we're playing golf. Right, like, right, right. I don't, I don't, all they're doing is raising awareness for the sport. Exactly. So I don't, necessarily see it as well, a bad you, thing you got to think you know sean DeGray, who runs it he's taken away an entire part of the tournament that he's not he does not have to deal with right which which scoring once you throw that in there god the can of worms you open up after that yeah oh I mean, yeah oh that was a 12 it was a 10 oh proctor call i mean could you imagine that out there it would be absolutely blood and guts because i know gillingham i remember shot the first one or two years when we were in park city because he lived there and um or snowbird excuse me and then he come out in public and made a comment about it like i'm not going back because we don't i don't shoot things that i can't score you know and so you think about it you hardly see any pros ever on a tag yeah. course because I mean, if, they, if they can't monetize it i well, get well they can't monetize it it costs money to go right. like we shoot our bows enough throughout the year like yeah. i'm not gonna go do it for fun for fun yeah. if it's out of the way yeah. Like if I, if I got a weekend off, I'm not like, Oh yeah, I'll go shoot my bow. Like right. we're, we're all getting on the golf course or getting on a boat or something right. not archery related. So yeah. it's, I understand why a lot of pros don't do it because we're, when we're not shooting competitively, like we're trying to disconnect from archery a little bit. But, but you, here's the thing. And the, reason, the reason I, I use tack as an example, because I, I think they're heading in the right direction They've captured an audience. And I will yeah. tell you, there's a couple of manufacturers said, this is where I'm going to be. Screw ASA. Mm -hmm. Dude, I, this I, is where I'm at. Well, yeah, you got what? Three, how many? Over 30, three to, three to 5,000 5, people day. showing up to those. Yep. And, and sold every out single one of them is an amateur shooter that buys all of their stuff at full retail. Yep. They, the one issue I have with going to ASAs is you got all these guys shooting K40 or K45, whatever. Walking up me like, oh yeah, well you know I'm top ten in the country in K40. Well, yeah, that's that's like being the best fifteen handicap golfer in the country. Like <laughs> on a par three course. Yeah, it's like, course. I'm a fifty. I'm a ten handicap on a par three. Like yeah, I, it, okay. Like I and guys walking around oh looking for advertise or looking for uh, sponsorship or yeah, discount code. Oh my god, and everything. You're talking about how everybody's going to be at TAC and everything. I was talking to the Hoyt guys. Mm -hmm. I guess Hoyt. Is building a specific trailer for tack. They are. They're done that already. Tack is dragging around for them. Already done. It's we're actually we're helping run that yeah. that booth. That, it's uh, crazy how they've month. come around from 
I remember the first year they when, when they had to do it here it. in San they Antonio. They had nothing to do yeah. with it. Well, they had a pop-up tent. Well, they've... Mm-hmm. A pop-up tent. Well, let's that be was honest. TAC put Prime on the, mar- on, the, on the map. Yeah. I mean, it really did. Yeah. That cohesive... That, you know, people don't realize, a lot of people don't know this, but Prime and Total Archery Challenge were one and the same for the first four years. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they were cohesive. It, they both helped each other, without a doubt. Now, TAC has taken off to a different level now. And I think what happened was, I think the requirements to still support that, that event got so expensive. Prime being a mid-major, they're not a, mm-hmm. you know, a Matthews Hoyt or whatever. Well, and, they couldn't afford to, to fund yeah. it anymore. I don't know. I mean, I, I do still think that obviously TAC has an insane impact on the archery community. Oh my God, yes. But, you know, along the same lines, you brought up Prime. Like, I think target archery, maybe not to maybe not to the same degree or to the same, definitely not the same group of people, but target archery definitely has an effect. Like, think about how many guys, I mean, you may have known about it because I don't know when Dave started shooting them uh, before he switched to PSE and when you guys started carrying Prime. But think oh, about yeah. how much yeah, yeah, anybody yeah. knew about Prime. Before that. And then 100%. Cousins started. Cousins showed up to Iowa Prime with a, what was it, like a Prime rival, or whatever? Like it was a rival. I don't know. But or he, one. It was maybe the one STX or something. I can't remember. He was shooting a hunting bow, the first couple. Yeah, it then, was a Centroid then. Yeah, it was like a Centroid. One of their Centroid. first flagship series bows yeah. showed up with it and, you know, brought that entire, at least at the very least brought the entire target archery market over to and prime. introduced them to prime. Yeah. And now they're a major manufacturer when it comes to target archery. Mm-hmm. I mean, how Calvin or gross Calvin one, one, uh, four Foley. Bet, or one Foley, Foley, shooter, one Foley right? with it. Yeah. yeah so they I had mean, two shooters in the, in the final there. Yeah. Tim, Tim is actually checker. He's, yeah, he's actually he the pro staff coordinator for prime. Yeah. That's crazy. Ended up making the shoot down there. I shot with him the second day. He actually put some clutch shots on there. Did he? Yeah, he had he had to hit a twelve to make shoot down the last arrow, and it was like a forty four, forty six yard hyena or something. Oh shit! And I plugged it. <laughs> That's awesome. Let down like twice. Twice. <laughs> Third arrow, I'm like, dude. I hope you shoot it. Like, I'll get rid of this one, son. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but it's it is crazy how it's come around, and and you know, speaking of tech, I know this this show's not going to come out till next week, but it, it's kicked off this weekend. Yeah, in Oklahoma. 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 Yeah, in Oklahoma. Yeah. Man. Oklahoma. Yeah. They say the range of that course is actually pretty cool. Yeah, I saw a you couple think, of videos you think fields of it, hey, as far as you can you see. You know, I will say dry I mean, I've driven through Oklahoma enough, driving to to my back home to my parents and stuff. Like there's some parts of southern Oklahoma right by the Red River there that are gnarly. Yeah, exactly. Went, gnarly. My dad's family's from Oklahoma and we went up there one time for a reunion or something. They took us out to the lake near there and dude, it's pretty. It's like there are islands so. and stuff with big rocks in it, and they got a, that weird tour in some sort of fort that they had built out there. But dude, I bet if it's around there, it's a pretty good landscape for it. Yeah, this they is this nice. is Braden, by the way. He's been quiet. Yeah, he chomping, all, he's chomping video, on our video, dude. I don't have a whole lot of input most of the time. But. He was still trying to make sure that the whole Jimbo Fisher thing was not real. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> word. Hey, the, I was going to say the one beautiful thing about Jimbo Fisher leaving, if he were to leave Texas A&M, is that all the players would understand what their coach is calling the play to be. <laughs> True. <laughs> Honestly, play call that man he, trash. I, he, if he ever doesn't make it as a football coach, he could definitely be an auctioneer. <laughs> an auctioneer. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're going to go with a pass. We're going to go with a run. We're going to go with a pass. Most, yeah, most words per minute. Yeah. Yeah. No, but though, you're right, though. That that whole t- – I think that they're getting it. and uh, So they're the re- – that's why I'm saying there are some organizations that are changing the paradigm of archery, yeah. and I think they're one of them. Yeah. Well, and, I, and then the other thing, you know, I know you talk about 
we don't influence enough, but I'm going to say the manufacturers that are looking at it and embracing it, and I'm going to bring up Ultraview. Ultraview's cut their teeth and made their, they started their whole thing on the target archery. Work. Yeah, that's where they started. Well, and, and now I, look what's happening. They are they're doing it reverse. They started with Target and Hamsky did the same thing, mm-hmm. and now they're going back into I, the I hunting. I think a side. lot of companies that started that way, or like their business plan, or however they started, was you know concentrate on Target archery uh-huh. and move into hunting. Like have been fairly successful. Very I mean, even even large manufacturers like Elite Hoyt and a couple other ones that you know, maybe designed a target bow right? and then said, well, why don't we just take this, cut five inches off of it and make it a hunting bow? Cause right. obviously it's a good system. Correct. I mean, that's essentially what the story of the, the VersaCam and the cure cure was. And now every single elite has that cam system on Correct. it. Every flagship series bow has that new cam system on it. Started as a target bow and they push it into a hunting bow. Right. So I don't think, like, obviously, if you're the one beautiful thing about target archery is it's so accuracy based right? that when you take those same, those same things and put it into a hunting bow, oddly enough, you have an accurate hunting bow and people <laughs> want to buy that. Well, and that's, the, and that's what I think is lost in the translation when we, because I've said this also, and I'm going to jump on this soapbox real quick is, you know, these manufacturers every year put these bows in the hands of their hunters first. Mm-hmm. And I don't care they're not good enough to understand the nuances and the problems that potentially could be in that system. Some of them. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, some of, and then we get it as a dealer that we work with every, we work with it every day. We're the technical experts of that. And we got, we got a product, we got to, you know, change, screw up gotta, or whatever. I got to, I got to cut spacers out of yeah. packs and I mean, stuff. Yeah, them dude, and it's, just, and, it, stuff and that's cable what, rods and that's and, what drives me crazy. I mean, I think if a manufacturer had enough balls and brains to go say, okay, I'm going to put this in the hands of my target. Honestly, and I've said it before, I, I think that's why elite is starting to separate themselves somewhat. Well, They're a bunch of target archers and archers mm-hmm. running that company. Yeah. Um, from I top mean, down. Tommy, top down. Tom, I mean, at least in their manufacturing and yes. sales and stuff, you look yes. at Gomez, who's been shooting <clears throat> shoot target archery forever. Forever, since the beginning of the time. Darren, who's running the pro staff. Darren. Pro staff stuff. Nathan, Nathan Brooks. Brooks uh, I mean, a bunch of people. They're all target shooters, I hate to say it, that are now running those businesses. And I think that's why their equipment is getting so damn good. Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you, I know some of the other manufacturers. I mean, it's sad to say, some of them don't even shoot a bow. Or if they do, it's a recreational, I have to, because I'm, I work in the industry. Yeah. And those are the guys behind some of the design work or some of the manufacturing operations, whatever. And I just, you, you can see that separation. I'm starting to see that separation between them. That's my opinion. from an engineering standpoint a technical standpoint and every year like i said i always complain that you need to get these bows in the right hands and you're yeah. not doing well, it. well and if anybody's trying to get every ounce of performance out of a bow be it a hunting bow target bow whatever mm-hmm. it's usually going to be a target archer before it's hunting oh 100 and i mean if we want to say who it could be like a guy that is just fucking gung-ho on tack like if you want to <laughs> if you want to Get yeah. down to brass tacks about who's doing everything they can to their bow to get every yeah. ounce of performance out of it to yeah. be able to put it's their tack. pen on a target at 100 yard or 140 yards. It's probably a tack guy. Yep, no doubt. Because that's what we're doing right I now. I mean, yeah, but you're we, running arrows on the edge of the edge of the of the the manufacturer's get, warranty and trying to get everything we can every, of, as far as performance. But I don't know. I it's I don't know. It's interesting to think about. Like and 
like smaller, I, maybe it's tough with, it's obviously easier to give like Chris Crispy or uh, Lee Likoski or Levi or somebody, mm-hmm. you know, a hunting bow and have them hunt with it for three months before it's released. Right. You know, A, you know, Matthews does that with their Proving Ground stuff. A, they have, now they have a bunch of content that they can use, use to for social advertising right. and everything. Right, right, right. So for them, that's super smart. B, like whoever you're hunting with, like you can just have them sign an NDA. Right. And say, hey, don't tell anybody about this thing. Right. Uh, we'll release the episode in six months, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. But target archery is kind of tough to do because you, yeah. you got, you're standing in front of 200 people, 200 people. shooting yep. a bow yeah. and everybody and their brothers coming up and asking about what it is. Now we've, we've done that obviously with like releases. Releases. Yeah. Cause you said Perk, Perkins been shooting his release for how long? He's been shooting that release forever. Exactly. I mean, not that final rendition where you can but, adjust the length on it, but you're shooting that type of prototype forever. Exactly. Hell, Justin Hanna was shooting a prototype in, uh, for Benning shooting a prototype. Scott, yeah. Louis, Louis Holmes is shooting that, uh, that new verge that Scott just came out with. Mm-hmm. He's been shooting that ever since he signed with elite back in October. Right. So yeah. we, if you don't pay attention to it, you never know, but right. if you do, well, or it could be like me, cause I'm taking a Dremel tool to everything. <laughs> I've got the release. I actually shoot in the, in my release pouch right next to the release oh, that yeah. I hand people when they're like, Oh yeah, what release are you using? Oh, yep. This one right here. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Because it don't look like well, I mean, what it's Chris, supposed to. Dude, Chris used to do that all the time when he had like one of the first couple prototypes of that of I'll his execute. Oh, his execute. Oh, uh, Perkins. Yeah. yeah, he's. Oh, yeah. I'm just shooting a fulcrum here. Yeah. <laughs> like he used to That's do awesome. that all the time. Yeah. So, but like with small stuff like that, it's easy to do. It'd be kind of difficult with a bow. Yeah. Well, we, we when when I was shooting, you can't with hide Matthews, that sucker, right? Yeah. When I was shooting with Matthews, that you actually hear I won finals. Braden and me were trying to talk Matt into letting me take uh, their new bow to World Cup final. Was that the Triumph? No, it was the TRG. Well, the TRG, yeah. The Turd. Yeah. Turg. The Turg. <laughs> so thank, thank God. God, you didn't no. do it. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's awesome. Yeah, but anyways, that's, you know, food for thought on a lot of this stuff. It's just interesting to see how the archery world turns. What else happened? Anything in archery? I know Ultraview and Knock On just did a big, cohesive that plate, did that grip um, plate deal. Yeah, which I don't know. I don't know how Colby and Chris got John to not make a lime green yeah, product that's pretty of wild. any kind. Yeah, that's what I'm most impressed by of that product <laughs> is that it's not lime green. Yeah, but maybe the true. box lining is. Yeah. Oh, I, I, like it's I said, it's, got it's coming. Foam. I am yeah. telling you now, a lime green scope is coming. God, I want to say something about this. <laughs> it's coming. I'm telling you now, it's coming. I just don't. I I saw the grip and I was like, that's it. What that are my they, initial? I didn't box. even see it. What is it? It's so, just a. It's a plate. So it's, it's kind of like plate. a. Uh, I, the closest I could compare it to would be. Remember when Spock had the, the little just plate, the square plate the that was those are genius stick on the back. That's pretty much what it is. It just okay. gives you an angle. It's not. It's not that. Like it's along the same lines as yeah, that. So it, it only covers like the bottom two thirds of the grip to stand it up because they always like running the give you high, high risk. All it's doing risk. is giving you an angle, like the little Invicta grips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just but bolts not around cool. the outside. Yeah, cool. I didn't see that. That's actually a pretty good idea. I love the spot hog plates. No. So it's, it's similar to the, like no, along was, the same lines of that thing. It would be the closest I can compare it to. Right. Yeah. Obviously I don't shoot a PSC, so I wouldn't know, but I just, I guess I was just 
expecting a whole lot more when all of this commotion was going on. Like, here comes a big new product. And I was like, yeah. that's it. Hey, man, what better way to make money than put $3 I'm, of plastic and dude, I'm all for it. 40 bucks for it? Cost Living them the American dream. nickels to build it. Yeah. They should start selling products to the military. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look at this screw. It's going to change your aircraft. Yeah. $2,000. Exactly. That's but, awesome. Yeah, but, no, that's going on. There's shit, man. There's, again, tax seasons and full swing starting this weekend. Turkey season opens today. Is it really? Oh, yeah. It's today, Friday. It opens today. No kidding. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep, yep. Yeah, everybody's been hunting turkeys like crazy. You guys set up a hunting bow or attack bow yet? No, uh, my I turn. did actually. We did a commercial spot with uh, Elite, so I have a tack. You're shooting the Envision, the Envision. My dude, I'm not going to shoot. That's the thing, bad thing. I'm gonna, gonna we're going to go. go. I'm going to. Well, we have a. You're going to go one day. No, you always do. The last I did. I didn't do it last. You shot did last I shoot year? last year? Yeah, that's right. Sometimes the manufacturers will get together on Sunday yep. morning and go out at six thirty before everyone else hits the course. It's the only time, so we can get back by you know eleven or twelve. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, wow, that was intense. Yeah, that was going to be a big sneeze, and I just look stopped at the light. <laughs> now my eyeballs are watering. Um, <laughs> look at the light. No, but that uh, I, you know, we may shoot. I always set a bow up just in case, so I don't have to do it there. But yeah, yeah. Bridger, you're actually going to get to be there this time. Yeah, normally it's always the same weekend as Reading, Reading so I've never yes. been able to do it the last couple of years. This is going to be back. Oh, They're changing I mean, I, up the venue down there for us for sure. Yeah, I mean, I haven't shot my hunting bow since I killed that pig and deer up at the lease with Jesse <laughs> really like December whatever yeah. that was so if I go I'll or if I end up shooting I'll just shoot my I'll just shoot my Redding bow yeah so actually it's a good, practice. good idea it's week before Redding so. yeah that'd be really good practice yeah but as far as turkey bow hunting bow like my I got the the Remington 870 set up so there I'm you go baby fun. Remington 870 with See, the old three inch mag turkey load I have a hunting bow coming tomorrow what's that I'm excited <laughs> The forty-eight inch Turkish recurve. Oh, that's you stupid are horse so bow. Stupid. Hey, so this how is, many? This is what I go love. Ahead and, let me go ahead and order you three dozen arrows now. Are this we is gonna, what I love. Me saying I'm going to do something. You telling me it can't be done, and then me going, "Hey, hold my beer." You should. Yeah, but you need to like get a saddle that'll fit on your chair. <laughs> that way, it's easier to shoot. A saddle. Uh, yeah. yeah. No. So you, why, you, why you, why you can have, have the to be whole, on a saddle, uh, to dude. I'm just buying a pony. Oh okay. God! They're smaller. We'll just duct donkey. tape. We'll duct Eat tape less. you. Yeah, we'll duct tape you to the horse. We'll duct tape you to your horse. Yeah, we'll just we'll just do that. God, you are crazy as hell. It's just an experiment, but I I still got to figure out what I'm going to set up for a hunting bow. Okay, so listen, I'm going to reel back because I do want to talk about something technical. Let's do and it, got, and we got Bridger here real quick. Um, so no, this is a, it's a real world problem that I'm going through right now, trying to decide. Um. Because, you know, I don't pay attention, and you probably know just by association, scope lenses. Are a lot of guys running none to four to six to eight? Or is it just kind of all over the map based off preference? Like in what? Well, like in ASA 3D. ASA, I bet most most guys are running a four to six. Um, There's a couple oddball guys that run like no lens or two. I'm pretty sure Justin doesn't run a lens. Uh, but I would say most guys are running a six. A six is like, probably the vast majority, probably fifty percent or better. Really, and then the other fifty percent are you know fours, and then like I said, a couple oddball guys that are shooting a two or a two or no power. 
Gotcha. But for for three D six is by far the most popular. Okay. So because it's still low enough that even as a if you're kind of a middle of the road shooter, like you can get it to hold decent enough, and as well as being able to get it clear. Um, and if you you know if you're if your eyeballs struggle, like just jump down to a four. Right. Get every you know not the quite the same amount of clarity or not quite the same amount of target definition, but you can still see something. So, in your opinion, though, so when you talk about a four power lens, that's four times. You're not really getting four times rendition. You're not bringing so on like, no, for example on a forty yard target, you're not bringing that target to ten yards. No, because like depending on a depending on what you're drawing like this, so how and how far in or in or out your sight is, that's mm-hmm. going to change your magnification. Same way as if you're looking through a magnifying glass and put the glass on whatever it is you're looking at, it's going to look the same size. Right. But if you run that thing way away from whatever it is you're looking at, it's just going to blow it up like crazy. It's the opposite with with a scope with setup. A scope the set. farther away from your eyeball gets, the more intense the, it blows it up. the magnification gets. Right. Uh, which is why I think a lot of companies have gone to using the diopter size uh, as the measurement as opposed to, you know, two, four, six X or whatever, right. You know, they've run a 0.25 for a two X 0.5 for a four 0.75 for a six. Right. Um, and then you start putting clarifiers in and changing your peep aperture size. You put the strong basic rule of thumb, stronger your clarifier, the weaker your, your lens is going to act. So, so that matchup is real important, of course. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) At the end of the day, you're really just looking for clarity and preference. Like for me, I run a I run a green in the podium peep on the specialty. I didn't know you ran a green. Yeah, with a six. Mm -hmm. It's pretty strong. Yeah, but my well, yeah, but my eyeballs are so bad. Like I can see you clear as day, but if someone gets ten feet away from me, like I may as well close my eyes. (laughs) Like I can't. There's a bow box sitting behind Jason there. Like yeah, I got I got to like squint. To read the to read like the I know it label. says leading edge archery on the ship two <laughs> can't section, but I can't see it. I can't read it. Like I can't see the individual letters and read it. That's crazy. But like I so that, because so, some guys, if you have really good eyes, they could run that same powered lens with just a tiny aperture. Oh, dude! Like done. I when I would before I started working at bow shops and found memes on Instagram and started <clears> looking at everything, you know, two feet in front of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I used to never run a clarifier. Mm-hmm. First time I ever put a clarifier in my bow was like four years ago. Mm-hmm. I went and shot, actually, I think it was Fort Benning. I put a, put a half power or a one power, mm-hmm. uh, number one clarifier in before I went and shot and like, oh my God, <laughs> this is what this it looks is- like all the time <laughs> for you guys. Like yeah. I had, couldn't believe it, but like, Depending on what your eye eyeballs do, like for me, I'm super nearsighted, so I can get away with that really strong clarifier mm-hmm. and still be able to see my see my fiber. Right. But like, if you're farsighted, you know, so your distance vision is really good, and you put a six power in, and like you may only be able to put like a half power or a number right. one clarifier in into your peep before your, your pin, pin totally washes out. out. Right. Because that was why I could never shoot one before. Right. I'd put a four power in, I'd put a, a yellow clarifier in, and I, that dot had to be the size of a paper hole punch <laughs> for me to see it. Because it would wash out so bad. Yeah, right, right. But, you know, I guess, thank goodness my eyes suck now, because I can now I can now get my can target run. really clear and see my and pin. See pin. Hell, I put a number three in there one time just to see what the red. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I couldn't quite see... 
the rings at 50 yards because like one, like I said, once you start putting that super strong clarifier, well, probably in, your target tiny, but yeah, super sharp. I started getting, yeah. Like I could see the target. It was crazy crisp, but it would be like standing at 50 yards with a three power and no, no right. And right, no right, clarifier. Right. Yeah. As far as like how much magnification I actually right, had. Right. Uh, to be able to see it. So like I could, get it super crisp, but I couldn't see enough definition because I wasn't close enough to it. Gotcha. So like it's, it's still finding that happy medium. Of, so it's still preference on the archer. A lot of it depending on how bad or how good your eyes are. Yeah. And, uh, and then of course the length is one of the things that I'm going to start, I mean, I'm going to work with a little bit. Yeah. Like if you want to get a little bit more, you know, a little bit uh, more zoomed in on your, on your target, mm-hmm. you know, bump your side out a notch or right. two. Now the, you do that, it is going to, A, Move like more. if your site, if your site tape's on now, you bump it out, like you're going to have to recite it. Recite it, right. Uh, and like you said, you're going to get a little more movement because your perceived magnification is higher. Right. Um, if you're just trying to get more clarity out of it, honestly, my number one recommendation for most guys is put a smaller peep aperture in. Yeah. Because I will walk, you can walk up and down the lanes in the amateur side of the 3D course and there'll be dudes shooting the fucking six power with a quarter inch peep. In yeah. There. Like, it's just nuts, man. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't have, I mean, you, you and I have had this discussion a lot all the time, right. but like, I don't, you don't need that much light right. to see through. It's like, I, it took me forever to convince you that you it didn't did. need, it did. You didn't need like a, a six a sap, inch sight, a two inch scope housing. <laughs> yeah. But a two inch scope housing is not going to make your target yeah. any lighter. Mm hmm. The reason it looks lighter is because generally you got that giant ass scope housing. So you put a giant ass peep sight in. Yeah. So you see, end up seeing more, but it's not actually, you're not gathering more light with that bigger optic. It's not right. like a range or it's not like a, a pair of binoculars or spotting scope where you have multiple prisms in there Correct. and you have to get light absorbed into that light housing. You got one piece of glass and on the site you got one piece of glass two inches from your eyeball. Right. Like there's there's no prism in there. So there's no there's no need to have that larger aperture or larger uh objective on your site to right. be able to gather more light. Right. So being able to I mean, we've had, all had this session too. I like having that smaller scope, it's easier to center it with a smaller peep housing mm-hmm. or peep aperture. Right, right, right. And like I know, yes, I know you don't need to don't need to center saying, your scope. But I, but I know what you're saying. Ninety nine percent of guys they draw, they draw their bow back, look through their peep, look for the white ring around their scope. hundred percent. Just to make sure they're in the right spot. And then yeah. they start aiming. Right. And right. like, that's how I shoot. That's how I've always looked. That's how I've always shot. Right. That's right, how right, I was right, taught. Right. Right. And I would say the hilarious vast majority of guys, that's how they were taught. At least yeah. newer age archers. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Now you talk to, you know, like somebody your age or somebody that's been shooting for since 20, 20, 30 <laughs> plus years. Like, yeah, they, they probably yeah. taught were taught. To center, center their pin, yeah. But that 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 style has kind of shifted to like, uh, center. Your I housing. agree a thousand percent. So, but I but I do agree with you that it's that we I have went down hell. I just ordered a thirty. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, and I've and, never, and I mean, I grew up shooting forty twos millimeter. Yeah. Well, and, and you, I think your lens quality goes up still. Well, too, so it's funny you say that, that, that it smaller does. lens is you're, easier you're, to get it's optic a, center. It's and it, exactly, you got a you got a tighter focal point and you have less um cuz people don't realize too that that lens you don't get the same magnification on the outside of it that you do in the, in the center. So you get a bigger lens, you got more gray area, which by the way, someone told me 
somebody released a new lens, kind of like what Specialty did with the two stage. Um, oh, like the about? old uh, True Spot or whatever they were called. When you had the fuzzy spot? out, and then it got a little stronger. It was like you could actually see the steps. Whereas, the like lens. the two on the outside and the created. six on the inside. Yeah. So yeah. they that was I can't remember if it was True Spot or whatever it is, but they they've had that lens forever. So somebody I thought just released one at Benning, a new company or a current company. I think Anderson was talking about it. He says, "Man, I'm gonna I don't try know, that." But lens. I can tell you, it is freaky is if it really? it's the same as the the two-step lens that yeah, special never used to it. have where it was a two power yes. on the outside and a and four, four or six, or six, on six inside. inside yes freaky <laughs> freaky freaky really especially like shooting 3d and stuff i don't know how you do that because then you've got a two power on the outside and a on six the, on the, on the inside the so the which one are you trying to zoom in which <laughs> yeah. one are you trying to clear up yeah so like if it was me i'd have to still have to put a six power or a number two power clarifier in right right well now all of a sudden i can't see anything on the outside because the clarifier is way too strong for that <laughs> right. and it's actually instead of magnifying anything it's going the opposite direction distorting so you start getting too strong it'll a distort a little bit and b start to f- like make everything farther away than actually magnify right right so i don't know i guess it, i ain't gonna try it <laughs> yeah i think but, I, I think i'm happy with where i'm at i mean doc's um Lenses are docs are really good. The Those lenses they're putting in the the lenses they're putting in the uh, spe- or the ultra views now. That new lens that Chuck came out with yeah. is pretty yep. damn good. I mean, it's essentially a carbon copy of the old uh, Black Eagle lens oh, that Sherlock used to sell. Yeah, that was I mean, just a Swaro. That's a Swaro. That's a Swaro glass. Yeah, you're talking about um, glare and stuff like that. I know uh, Doc's got one that that has filters on it. Mm-hmm. It helps with the glare. So, you know, it's funny you say that. Filtered lens. I actually ordered the Bowfinger 30 millimeter with the lens kit. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, um, the, what do they call it? The shade. The, the shade kits. Yeah. Where you actually screw on. It's got, comes with a brown, a yellow, mm-hmm. three. And you can actually take them on and off in two seconds. Yeah. And God, I did it because I got, I, I mean, want to try it because the glare was such an issue. That's the stuff that we used to run in the military with reflex. Well, we, do, we did them on we, ACOGs. Yeah, a little filter on it, and you don't get that glare in your in your scope. Bro, in trap shooting, sporting clays, I have Same a thing. pair of Ranger glasses with I ca- I used to carry uh, rose, purple, um, you know, sunglass, tan, and yellow. I had those four, and depending on lighting conditions, mm-hmm. I would go through those yeah. to help get, I mean, get my target position. Pair of pilas now. No, I, it's not I was just about to say, I use, I use, I say it freaks me out. It would but freak me out. It freak me out. Those blue lenses, I could are not just... deal with the color change and stuff. Now my eyeballs are kind of weird, anyways. A, I'm so fucking nearsighted, and yeah. B, like the color shades I get, like with my right eye, are completely different with my left eye. Right. Mm-hmm. Like your hat. Well, I have both my eyes open. It looks normal, but right. I can close this eye, close my left eye, and your hat is like dark Orange. brown. Yeah. I close my right eye, and it's like tan. Really? Yeah, that'd be two totally different colors. Dude, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Do you shoot two eyes open? I like fuzz out. You fuzzy? Eye. Like I squint. Yeah. But yeah, my eyeballs but have I've always never, done I've that. never understood why we don't take advantage. Because like, for example, on Sunday morning, I, dark as crap out, can't see nothing. You're shooting mm-hmm. at 7.30 in the morning. Cloudy. I would think a yellow ambered lens on your scope housing, would it brightens everything up. Unless it's I don't, I don't, target. I don't know, because I, I mean... I, like I said, that I'd say of having that in my lens freaks me out. But like I used to wear the pilas all the time, right? For but outdoor. it's but that's, that's, that's but a your, consistent your target, target. Yeah, your target is all. It's different every target, Shot, unless Shot. you get like 
unless you get two deer targets in a row yeah. or two black targets in a row. You can't shoot it all the time. Your target is constantly changing. And anytime, I don't care what anybody says, how good their glasses, whatever. Anytime you look through more than just your peep and just your scope, yeah. You know, anytime you put another piece of glass in there, your impact is going to change. Yeah. Like, and I, oh, it doesn't, I ain't going to be walking around. make a turn. Yeah, I ain't gonna be walking around changing lenses on a pair of pillas or yeah, you know true. Oakleys or whatever, because especially a curved glass like that or a curve yeah. hell those aren't even glass plastic the plastic curved poly glass it's like polycarbonate that. yeah changing those out like that optic center like even though I mean it's very minimal like you're not gonna see it t- taking your glasses on and off but but I mean hell you can see it. if you got a pair of polarized glasses like look at something and just like flutter oh, take the changes. lenses down like. Your you the image will move. shift. It'll move. 100%. The image will shift. So yeah. what do you think that's doing when you're when you're aiming, trying to aim at it? <laughs> if your whole if if your whole uh, target shifts, you know, it objectively to you shifts a foot. Yeah. Like I mean, obviously you're not going to miss by a foot, but it's going to definitely change change your the POI 100. percent So for me, I I, I mean, I definitely so you, I ain't going to use them. Yeah, but, in our sport, we want we want it to be consistent throughout, right? Whether we can see or not see. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing when I'm standing at 50 meters, shooting at a yellow, target. shooting at a yellow target that never moves, right? You know, and you're never moving theoretically. Yeah, putting that piece of glass or putting that piece of plastic in front of my eyeball that's not a bad thing. Yeah, and at that point, I'm more using it to keep my eyeballs from wanting to jump out of my head, <laughs> right. because like, like, well, they're shooting Arizona this weekend. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever got oh, Jason. I know you've been there. Think mm. we're standing on it. It's like going outside, standing, shooting on the caliche in the parking lot. Yes, here. Right so, like it is. You you may as well be standing on a fucking mirror. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, go out in snow cover. Sand. Like think about how bright it's it is true. when you got snow cover on the ground yeah. at home. Like right. that's how bright it is it's, shooting there. It's sandy, so you got all that reflection coming up, plus the wind, plus the heat. Yeah. So for for me, you know, shooting the fetus stuff with the pilas, it was more just. Shave my eyeballs to keep my eyes relaxed, yeah. so it's easier to aim. Because if you're sitting there squinting and your pupils like can't can't shrink enough to make it comfortable to where you're seeing, your eyes start to hurt. Yeah, like it makes it hard to aim. Right. right. It's just it affects you in in way too many ways. Plus, you keep your eyes protected. Well, and yeah. I, even I know because even our one of the groups I shot with in Foley, we had this issue where we I don't know if you remember we started either you started looking into the sun or sun behind you. Yeah. And then when every time I make a turn, I watch all these guys do this. We made the turn on t- to target one, which put the sun in front of us. And it was amazing. I think I was last shooter on that first target. And I watched four arrows miss four inches left. Oh, dude. When all we, when we made I'm the like, turn in Foley, crap. like we had that sit out group. Yeah. Which, I mean, at the time it was a godsend. Like, A, so there was a little watch. bit of wind, but B, like... It's just like watching a finals match, watch whatever finals match is going on before you go out and step on stage. hundred like percent. You're going to hit in a different spot. Like watch yeah. where everybody shoots, especially if you're, if you're behind a group of good shooters, if that's, you know, if you got a, uh, like Jesse or Justin Hannah or Donnie or somebody that's like, you know, is pro- like if it's an Bang easy arrow, they shouldn't miss. Right. And you watch a group of five guys and one guy hits the 12 on the right side and the other four guys miss it two inches to the right. You should probably move your sight. Dude, we did it. That's what I watched our four guys in that group and I went and put six clicks in my sight left and I aimed safe IBO because I was like, I don't want to F this one up and hit right behind the pin. But every one of those guys, it took them about two or three targets for they said, you know, and I even mentioned it. I believe the high, and I don't know if it's true. You can probably validate this. 
I think the higher power scope lens that you use, the more effect it has on you when you make those turns. Like yeah, if, you, if you had no well, lens, I, mean, I don't think it matters. I don't think you're going to see those variations. I think you 100% still will. You will? Yeah. Just because of your eyes even, interpreting light? Yeah, because so, and the best way I can describe it is perceived shadow in your peep sight. Even when we've got these like fucking six inch long peep sights, right. everybody has shaded and everything. <laughs> right. Like the perceived aperture in that peep will shift slightly. So if the sun's in front of you, if you're at full draw and the sun is in your face, generally for a right-handed shooter, sun's in your face, generally you're going to miss to the left because that shadow is shifting the peep sight left. So, I mean, slightly, but slightly, it's enough to barely miss, slightly, but it's enough to miss. It's definitely enough to miss 12 at 40 yards, right. 40, 50 yards. Right. But it's, if that sun's in front of you, generally you're going to always miss opposite of wherever the sun's. Doing. Right. So if it's in front of you, you're going to miss left for a right-handed shooter. If it's behind you, you're going to miss right as a right-handed right. shooter. Now, I mean, there's a whole another plethora of right. stuff that comes into it once that stun gets in front so, of you and behind you. But for a good rule of thumb, like, because I've seen it on field courses a lot. So here's the thing. I don't, shooting I different don't, directions all the time. I don't remember that being an issue for us back, let's say, in the 80s, 90s. But do you think the advent of these scopes that we shoot now, which are freaking like two and a half to six, four inches long, literally, with the shades you can put on them. And now we've also extended these peep sights to your point that are... A quarter to a half inch long. We never shot those. We shot a simple round hole mm-hmm. and we usually just had a scope with a lens on it. And the scope was probably, you know, three quarters of an inch thick. So we didn't have that much depth perception. So are we taking light and putting it in that such a, a small I, tubular thing that it does affect it when we do? Yeah. Have especially when you get a guy that doesn't level a sight like every 3d shooter out there. Yeah. If you got, you know, when you got third axes and like with, Some I mean, seconds. that bow finger sight, it, I bet. Dude, you take long. that 30, the 30 or 40 mil bow finger, and if you put all their shades on it, that it's, sucker is four inches long. It's four inches long, 100%. So you get something like that, and then these hyper-aggressive bows. Like, I mean, you look at my victory at full draw, and Point I've got like those, I've got those custom cable stops that I made, <laughs> yeah. and they stick out, I don't know, maybe half, half, inch, half inch, three-eighths of an inch, yeah, yeah. or half or five-eighths of an inch or so. And when I'm at full draw, that cam is lean so much from all that cable load. Oh, yeah. And, like, my cable's halfway pa- into that thing. Right. Like, so that riser is twisting like crazy. Oh, yeah. So, And even you look down the top of my bow at my third axis, and that sucker's tilted in probably, like, three degrees or mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. So you start getting these weird, you know, if you don't have your axis level leveled correctly, because the amount of guys that don't level their third axis at full draw is baffling to me. But... You know, you get that that into it, plus you know these longer peeps, and we're constant. We're trying to put all that light into you know a sixteenth of an inch in the peep to where it's expanded to thirty millimeters or whatever at your sight. Like that's such a tiny window. If that shifts at all, yeah, it's going to change your impact. Slightly. Yeah, big time. Now, or, or how that light's hitting it, or how the, yeah, and that's going to change how that light's that hitting it. So how it's it. coming through, moving Correct. moving through all that stuff. Now, back in the '80s, you probably didn't see that much change into it. We but have it. tell me, tell me, you could see the rings on a 3D target at 45 Hell yards. No. Hell no! Bingo. We were looking at a big blob. Like, so you're <laughs> spraying, pre- like you know, spraying. There's, and there's some give and take here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you okay, see so what you're I, hitting, want, I want you, you to talk about how this. To, how to use all that stuff? I want you to elaborate on what you just talked about because because I, I don't do what you said, and I have a reason for it. Um, leveling your third axis at full draw. So I've always leveled, and most people will level on a vice. Um, because we're leveling to the natural pitch of planet Earth, basically. Mm-hmm. Why do you do it on at full draw? 
And I guess my qu- bigger question is, there, my argument to it is, and I, so I want us to debate this, because you and I have discussed it, but never really debated it. I can't guarantee I can duplicate that hold every single time the same way. Okay, draw. well, and then you're never going to hit the same spot twice in a row. If you're not holding your bow the same from one shot to the next, how are you hitting the same spot more than one time? Uphill, downhill? That's hard. No, I'm saying like in general. No, I, if you, I can do it. If you grab your bow yeah. and then grab it like this and then grab it like this, right. you're going to have, and I'm moving my hand around, you're going to miss. You're going to miss like crazy. Okay, yeah, so exactly. you just get it really, really effing close. Yeah. And if you are a little bit off or the couple percentage points difference, you're off from one shot to the next. Right. Then, you know, you're, that's within your margin of error. Gotcha. reason I do it a full draw too is any bow, especially a bow with a cable slide, the induced you draw torque, back the induced, the induced torque. torque on that bow, whether you got that thing in a hooter shooter, or if you're holding the bow, you draw back a right-handed shooter with a cable slide that site is going to swing to the right. Okay, so question. So, and it, I mean, it's a couple degrees here, so it's not. No, but it matters. Good. It definitely matters. At 50 matters. yards, it At 50 matters. yards shooting it and There's a, I'm trying to think of what target oh, it is. Oh, 50. Well, I guess they took the target out, but the target before the Canyon Bears in Redding, uh, the amount of arrows, uh, arrow holes I'd see on the, when they had the antelope at like, it was like 49 or 50 something yard target. But on, I don't know, it was maybe... 18 ish degrees. I mean, it was pretty, pretty severe aggressive. uphill. Yeah. Very difficult target. The amount of arrows I saw on either side of that. In the butt, the, che- the butt in the chest. <laughs> well, I mean, like you get, it's a dot the size of your coffee tent, coffee cup there. So it's maybe, you know, three inches, three inches yeah. or better. And the amount of arrow holes that were an inch to the right and an inch to the left was hilarious. Really? Because guys didn't level their sights right. at right, full right, draw. Right. right. I, I think it's adamant. You have to do it full draw because the only time you're worried about where your site is sitting and what your level looks is like full draw. is when your site's at full draw. Like, okay, so with that being said, that would be advantageous to use the draw board on the last chance if you wanted to do this. Yeah, so elect- you could. That's why. That's why they have that that whole <laughs> the whole twisty, tilt, the tilty tilting doodad. So you can tilt the bow. Yep. So that that'll get you very close, but then you also got you're also air. inducing. Now you got the human. Then you're also inducing torque. We're we're at loose, but but if you did it on the you're, on you're the LCA, way closer than you would be because you've got the torque of the bow at full draw. Right. You're way closer than you would be Aesthetic. setting your third by do, using the whatever that contraption is to that you the ram vice. Yeah, that you bolt your sight to and then tilt it up, tilt it down. Yeah, right, 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 right. So, I mean, I Tim thinks I'm fucking crazy, but I have never used a hamski level. I honest to God, I don't even know how to use it. <laughs> I'm I level my I level my way. second axis, and I did yours yesterday, Jason. Yeah, you did. I use a flat door frame, check it with the level, make sure it's good. Take the elevation rail where the sight's actually moving up and down on, lay it flat on there. Level the housing using the adjustments on like the Excels. It's got the like on the quick detach deal where your scope right, mounts right, to. Right, right. It's got all the second axis and third axis adjustment on there. I'll hold the elevation rail so where the site's actually moving up and down onto that flat surface. Le- use the bubble in the site housing. Mm-hmm. Level it. Tighten everything back down. Then I hold the actual extension bar that you know the part of the site that's connected to the connecting the elevation bar to your bow mm-hmm. lay that flat and then i'll adjust the elevate or the elevation bar and i'll level that to the extension right and if that's level you think about think about what all the all the reference points you're using and where your point of contact is with your bow right you got your sight peep sight 
and then your arrow is connected to your string and the rest. Right. So those are the only things that are all interacting with each other. Correct. So if I level my sight to something that's level, since I'm referencing that, when I knock it on or when I knock my arrow to it and I'm drawing it back and looking through the peep, if my sight is level, then my string is level. Right. And like, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of using the riser or like doing what we'll do here every once in a while for a hunting bow. It's a quick setup and laying a level, laying a level, level on limbs. the side of your side of your limb. Right. And like, especially when you got bows like the C4, that's got an offset limb pocket. Yes. Uh, the early, well, hell, even the Hoyts over the last the four years. Early, the thick, early thick. RX series stuff where yeah. they had the thicker limb on bottom, thinner limbs, limbs yeah, on top. You can't do it there. Like, I think if you are going to put your bow in a vice and level your sight with your sight attached to your bow, like you need to level, level your That's where the ham sheet, that is where the ham sheet comes into play. Right. That's where Tim, yeah. So you got, I, because you're, you hooking the arrow to the string, looking through the string via the peep sight at your sight, like your string has to be level and then you can level it to that. Right. Not, not your riser, not your limbs, yeah. none of that garbage. You know, the, the reason I know, cause Tim and I have actually talked about this. The reason that Hamsky levels, he is a proponent of it. Blake is, you know, of course they, you know, you're attaching it to the riser because and this, I will tell you that, and you remember this, was it two or three years ago? Hoyt sent us those, those grip, I mean, the, the sight mount bracket plates for the, oh yeah, they were all, because they were all wrong. Yeah. Well, here's and the, you could, what, you could level you. Uh, so, but that's the, the same reason why I take my sight off of the bow but, to level it. But because if I level on, you know, it's off. If well, that, not, and not when, I'm a, Tim, not when I'm a full draw and I level the sight. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. With, like, with, I can give a shit if my bow's canted over this way. Yeah. If I know my sight is level. And my string is level. But if your draw. bow's not level, that's where it throws the wrench in the whole system. Yeah. I mean, if you, and now, and now that's we're what talking Tim, about that's what Well, and that's where issue. Tim's, Tim's issue is, and I've talked, like I said, we've talked about this in depth, that, that you can't, you can level off a door jam or level off the little machine tool that you can buy, the little, that little, I don't know, the little fixturing jig yeah. you can buy. And he hates those things. He says, because I can do all that, but as soon as I put on the F and bow and the riser's, if not, the straight, riser's straight, not straight, correct. Screwed. You know, or the plate's not straight. And he says that in his, in his history, he has seen that happen more often mm-hmm. than he wants to talk oh, dude. about. Like the, the old tech targets from CDE, <laughs> you literally had the, if you got a extent, like the sight bracket that bolted mm-hmm. to your bow had to be matched to that sight yeah. because they would like, if you, if you Changed bought, if you it, had if you an extra market, yeah. if you bought a second sight, it won't fit. Nope. Yep. And, you know, oh, I'll get another sight. I'll get another sight for indoor. I'll get another sight for my field no. arrows no. over my 3D no. ones or whatever. It well, won't, well, it won't fucking fit. Exactly. <laughs> well, so, but yeah, but no, I agree. You know, now that we're talking about, it, I think that's something we may need to incorporate and use at least that last chance, um, press with the draw board on it to at least do it that because it's yeah. getting us really close. Well, I mean, you tell, or like, I, here's, why, here's why I don't want a guy. You know how it is. If I tell, you know, Joe Smith to come over here and draw his bow back and then move it, I, I don't think that they have the technical expertise to do that. How they would shoot the bow. Does it make sense? Yeah. They're going to deviate off that. And yeah. It's not well, that's why, like, if somebody asked me, you to do, do it, it yes. I do it. And I, I mean, I, I tell guys like, Hey man, I don't get the same grip as you. But I mean, we're getting within, we're getting within a half a degree here. Exactly. Like it's going to be insanely close to the point where I may not know how good of an archer you are, but chances are, if it is off, you're not going to be good enough to know that it's off. They can't. Unless you shoot a lot of downhills, a A lot lot of uphills to the point where 
you know, you can shoot a lot of arrows and see which way you're trending. Right. And then move it off of that, which I'll even do that sometimes. Like that was one, that's one nice thing about, uh, Redding. Their practice range there is all uphill. Mm -hmm. Like if I know my third is off a little bit here or there, uh, like I'll go shoot on the flat portion of the range across the road or something, mm -hmm. make sure my windage is good. If it's a calm day and then jump back over to vendor village and they have that, I think they get it like 40 or 45 yards or something. Right. Just plenty of distance. Well, right. I'll literally just shoot my third axis in there. Yeah. Aiming straight uphill. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's funny. We had a, I, we had a, something similar to the subject matter, me and Eric Lindsay, who we coach and he's trying to make the national team on the W one series. And he's in Arizona right now shooting. And we were talking about his grip and how much it's affecting his bow because they strap him into that, his bow. I mean, they strap it in tight and he now becomes an extension of the bow. You and I discussed this the other day. Yeah. And it was weird because I got, I, I'm, I was, I was getting into a very heated debate with him and Roger Koss, one of our adaptive archery guys. And I got frustrated to the point I was trying to explain to them. So, so I'm going to show you how much this doesn't matter. And I took my bow and I shot it neutral 20 yards and hit the dot. And then I said, now I'm going to go out and put outside torque on it. And I drew it back and I literally took my hand and I gripped the bow and torqued the shit out of it inside mm -hmm. shot. And I literally missed a quarter of an inch left or left of my target went in the other way. And I said, now I'm going to put inside grip pressure. And I folded that sucker in as hard as I could had my bow pointing left, you know, and hit the other side by a quarter inch. Yeah. French tuning. Torque tuning. tune that out. Yeah. Well, it was called torque tuning. Yeah. Yeah. If I wanted to, I could do that. I'm never going to put that much grip in there, but I, but I was showing them, and actually, when I got done, I thought, man, my bow's actually torque tuned pretty damn good. <laughs> that, that, I don't think that affects it as much as if you're sitting there and you twitch. You twitch. Or you go... Yeah, the twitch is a killer. Yeah. I, well, yeah, that's just your sight picture moving. Correct. Yeah. But that's just, I mean, where if you have a neutral grip and, and, and you're not putting a lot of pressure on that, on that riser, mm -hmm. if your arm moves a little bit or your hand moves a little bit, it's not going to affect it as much as if you're really squeezing it and white-knuckling right. it and you move. It's going to send Well, it. in his situation, I think the problem was is how much shoulder movement he would have. Correct. So you imagine you take that bow and you put it in a position and it's not going to move. Yeah. And you do one of these. The whole arm extension is everything's moving downrange. The other thing is at 20 yards, you can't see it. But no. at 50 meters, 50 meters you definitely that see small it. twitch 50, is going to equal. 50 meters at 40 pounds and no peep sight. Like it, <sighs> your movement, your, your misses can, Whatever. can be feet. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Yeah, but no, no it, it's, it does affect it a lot, especially with the wind, with all that stuff. If your arrow's flying at half the speed of smell, it's just, you know, it's ridiculous versus yeah. doing it in here. Oh, yeah. No, that but, I want that second, third axis is really, really, really the probably one of the most overlooked things I think that most shops were not doing well. We do it yeah. good enough to be dangerous. I don't think we've taken it to the degree that, you know, you're taking your target bow, which once again, you know, I just well, proved my point. And like Us I, as target I, archers, I, do I'm doing the the door frame thing, assuming yeah. that my bows are all level, straight rise. Right, the, you know the risers all straight on. No, but, I think no, granted, fine. I never shot a other than my hunting bow. Like I've right. never shot a carbon bow. I would hope that a multi million dollar company can <laughs> carve a, a straight riser. Yeah, can carve a flat surface on a you know 14 yeah. pound billet of aluminum. Right, but you know, honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna start looking at doing that on the last chance at full draw because you you are maximizing the torque at least to a degree. Uh, I mean, because like even if you change, like, because I've seen it like even just changing draw lengths on a bow because all like, change of torque. Like factor. I said, especially with bows, especially with bows that have a cable slide because that cable is getting farther away Way, yeah. from your grip. 
as you draw the bow back, that A, the cable tension is rising as you're drawing back, Correct. so it's increasing it. Correct. And B, it's getting further away on a cable slide like that. It's It has to turn the riser. And it, the simplest way to look at it, too, is go take your bow, put it in a last chance press, and press it, and you will literally see that <laughs> oh, bar yeah. flex Ooh. to the right. Yeah. On a right-handed bow, you'll, yeah. if you look down straight on it, it yeah. as you take load off of it, you'll see that bar move. It may, it may not be very much. But it'll move. It will 100% move. Even on yeah. even on a even on like a, a well, Hoyt shoot-through riser or... I hate to say it, they move a lot on a carbon riser. Oh, dude. God. Well, they scary. It didn't help that they have the, that you got on the, 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 the press fingers. Yeah. The goofy ones, yeah. like the defiant series stuff where yeah. they had to have the That's crazy scary, press stuff, but it's yeah, cause you're scary. pressing on the riser a little bit, but Oh dude, like, uh, I remember ta- actually when I was at the Matthew show, uh, the year after I won finals, I was shoot talking with McCarthy and one of the other engineers and they're like, Oh dude, Dan's like, they were talking about trying to get rid of riser torque and all that stuff. And, Dan was like, yeah, man, I put my Chill X in there, which was probably one of the worst bows out there for it's as horrible. far as that yeah. riser flex goes oh, yeah. on the, as far as cable, cable torque. Right. Like you press that thing, that roller guard will literally shift damn near two inches. Two inches. Like oh, 100%. it'll swing way out there. Well, I think pressing those bows too probably bent more of those. I think there are more of those risers bent in the market right now than you could ever dream. I see them all the time. Yeah. They bring them in and you can see them, them, them and those ended, they, ends, they're, pushing they're all in pushing and in and out. And well, they're, they were when designed that, on a right-handed shooter that the, the top of the riser would actually lean right. But that's when I, when that design came out, I thought, okay, that honeycomb is great for sandwiching parts and making them rigid, There's not no for vertical. Exactly. Vertical, and you, no we don't have, we don't have that in a boat, right. you know, because you look at, I mean, people don't realize like an aircraft, they're, their wings are designed. They have that honeycomb with two sandwich pieces of aluminum mm-hmm. as a top cap and the bottom cap of the wing. And we do that because of the flex going in the vertical plane. It doesn't, it doesn't flex. Right. I mean, it does, but it, I mean, it won't go right. It's getting rid of the, <laughs> yeah. it's getting rid of the, the it like having break. that, it, it's it, rid of the forward and back flex. So you have 100%. on the grip, which is why but that our bow, bow. But our bow is working the vertical plane and it doesn't stop this from happening. Yeah. It's impossible. Right. Right, happen. which is why those bows always seem to hold really, really well, like up and down. Almost nobody, at least the little bit I shot the chill. Oh, they did. I didn't like it very much, but yeah. the little bit that I shot it, that bow held they awesome. Flex. Up vertical. Awesome, never had but it's any lateral. vertical. They flex so damn bad. Yeah, though. Yeah. Like, when you put them in a press, you can watch them go. Oh, oh man, it's nuts. It's so but every, every bow's like that. They all do it. 100%. They, if, if, you're, if your bow... <laughs> Unless you're shooting an okay that has no cable, no rod cable system, ride system, yeah. So only one then that you will do it. always have cable torque because that sucker's pushed out of the way. Right. And the fact that people worry about it is wild to me. First guy to ever shoot a 1440 or a 1400 on a full feeder was uh, Pat. God, I can't remember his last name, but Pat from Australia on the World Cup circuit was the first guy to ever shoot a 1400 plus at a full feeder, and he used to take take his cables out of the cable slide pull the cable slide plastic piece off and rip those things out and put his cables on the other side of his cable rod. Put as much load. So he had, you know, he had an extra inch or better Mm -hmm. of his cables shifted to the right Mm -hmm. on a right-handed bow. Like think about how much. Oh dude. And that was on a, I think probably like pro or an ultra elite or something. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you think about how much cable tension that thing had at full draw. Like it was nuts, man. (laughs) 
I bet I bet if you looked at his if his rest was in the center and you lined his string up with his rest, yeah. like it was his sight was, was like damn near outside yeah, exactly. of the shoot through exactly. portion of it. So <laughs> like and that's why like you look at your bow and everybody freaks out about their sight being to the left for a right handed shooter, their sight being to the left, to the left or left hand right. being to the right. Right. Like if you line up like I said, they, line they your think rest, the pins have to be behind the string and it's just right. not reality. But but again, that's why I say you need to level your third at full draw. Yeah. Because like my victory, I know that whenever I put a sight on, if I want to get it close, I'll line my string up with my rest. And then I want my sight lined up to where the right bubble hash mm-hmm. is in line with that. So I'm, right. you know, know, maybe like an eighth or three eighth, sixteenths of right. an inch to the left. To the left. As a right hand shooter. For, like that's my general rule that's of thumb how for most where I do are. everything. If, that's you're how, doing, if you're doing it right, if, everybody's that way. We if just you, went through yeah. that. Huh? Remember, we just went through that yeah. on that new bow. Exactly. Up. I was like, dude, I cannot get these cables out of my out of the sight my picture. sight picture. The sight window. Yeah. My my sight was pushed in to the right because that's how mm-hmm. I was running it on a Hoyt. Well, he, was, this he went from be, center shot to standard cut riser. Right. Yeah. So it had to be pushed way left. Way left. Cleared it up. To clear it out. Yeah, it was funny. Well, plus you got, you're dealing with, you know, the center shot riser gets everything out of the way a hell of a lot better, yeah. you know, than the single cuts, so. But yeah, that, but I mean, you think about how much your bow has to twist, Mm -hmm. you know, even if it's a little bit, you know, just barely shifted off to the side, you think about how much that riser has to turn in order for that, everything to be in line at full draw, you hit behind the pin. Correct. Like, I mean, it ain't very much, but you have to accommodate for that. Right. Right. With your third axis. That's how you fix that. I mean, that's the whole reason of a third axis is to fix to have your sight still be level, pointing up and pointing down at full at draw. At full draw, right? We, after, and that's taking into account all the flex yeah. in the riser, everything. Yeah. The, now, the cable I mean, load. If you want to like use the use the well, all the others. Like if you got a sight that you literally bolted together, like tore apart and put together, like yeah, by all means, put it use a use a little jig deal or whatever to get it close so you're within you know you're in the ballpark mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm as a starting point, but just because you bolt your sight to that goofy leveling jig thing, yeah. leveling jig doesn't mean your sights level. Right. Exactly. Like it, it has, I say it has to be done on the bow at the bare minimum. Your third axis needs to be done on the bow at full draw. Gotcha. Okay. That's something we're going to probably change a little bit. Cause I, you and I've never had a chance to really get into de- the weeds about that. I just thought you were psycho. I mean, I mean, probably. But you want more shit than I have. So, hey. But like, I've also watched him. I remember shooting a field shoot with Tim. Where was it? Oh, we were in Missouri. Yeah. Dan, Danny has a set up a pro series style field course. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we were shooting like 16 yard bunny targets at 45 degrees. Right. We had a 80 yard, the 80 yard walk up was like 16 or 18 degrees uphill. Like, I mean, Hard targets, hard fucking targets. Mm-hmm. And I remember Tim had a, he's on the practice bags using his hand ski, getting everything set. And then he had a, just a shitty, like true glow site, like the square site, plastic right. site housing <laughs> right. that he took two pieces of like 29 or 39 fiber drilled holes, mounted them. So they were like, I don't know, maybe a quarter, three eighths of an inch or quarter or three eighths of an inch apart. Vertical. Yeah. So his sites out front. Like if this is his riser, his normal sights right here, and then that sight was mounted on. He was shooting a PSE at the time, the Dominator. So they had sight brackets on or yeah, sight mounting yeah. holes on both sides. Both sides, yeah. The other one was equal distance from the from the riser from his grip on the back side on the other side of his riser. So the yeah. back side of his right, riser, right, right. And he would literally draw back, 
point up and twist his bow until he got him in line. Until he got everything in line and yeah. then shoot. And he was still struggling with left and right. <laughs> and I remember shooting. I think it was like a twenty. It was like a thirty-five yard uphill. Like I mean, severe uphill. And I like three or four X'd it. And he's like, "Holy shit! You must, you must took your time to level that side." I'm like, "Yeah, man." Using the door frame in my parents' basement. He's like, there ain't no effing way. Oh, there ain't no effing way. Yeah. He got all kinds of pissed oh, off yeah, because I, I mean, but I've always done it like that and always right. had, I've never, I've never in Reading had an issue with, with up right and down left. and, or with right, uh, left right and, and lefts and on, up, on and up and down shots. Yeah. I've never had an issue. Yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. That's good shit right there. That's some good stuff. That's why I wanted to kind of talk about some technical stuff keep, around that. Keep but it simple, stupid. Keep it simple. The best way to go. Yeah, we do. We we try to, to make things really hard in this sport. Oh, man. We really we, we're shooting carbon tubes at rubber deer. Yeah. Like, we don't, you don't have to get that far into the weeds about, yeah. you know, God, how to make your shit fly do straight. We, do like, we, I mean, move your shit around until it hits behind the pin oh, we and do you're set. Yeah. Yeah, go, I, the closest comparison I could make to golf would be like the the goofy meme training videos where the guy's got eight pool noodles and 40 <laughs> alignment sticks. Like, I feel like that's what half these guys are doing, In trying archery. to set their bows up, oh, the yeah. archery equivalent of that, where yeah. it's like, you know, lay one, if it, we're still talking golf, lay an alignment stick pointing at what you want to hit, Yeah, line your feet up with that and swing your fucking golf club. <laughs> like, same thing with archery. Yeah, like, exactly. Move, move your sight so it move hits behind the pin. Behind the pin. Yep. Shoot your arrow through paper to make sure it's flying straight. Yep. And, you know, probably not a whole lot of adjustment you're going to have to do outside of that. No, no, that's true. All right, Jaybird, anything else? I'm good, man. Just moving along. Right. We got a couple tournaments coming up this, uh, again, got a lot of come out. We've got some we got local. Red, Reddings coming up. You've got the Louisiana, the Louisiana ASA coming up. We've got Tech and San Antonio got Tech coming, coming up. up. There's a three big events coming up in the next 30 yep, days. We've got Trinity Oaks nonprofit, we got a nonprofit on April 10th. Yeah, Texas um, is swinging hard right now. Um, well, yeah, we got to get everything out of the way in the like two weeks of good weather we got down here. Yeah, because it's going to be 105 Otherwise, degrees yeah, here time, in about a month. Yeah, by the uh, time May gets here, it'll be hell on earth. Don't remind me of that. But Hell, it was hot yesterday. Yeah, it's going to be 85 today, I think, I read. So. Yeah. All right, folks, man, we appreciate you. Um, we're just going to keep keep it coming. Keep, keep coming listening. Um, and I think, were we going to do something crazy, Brandon, when we were going to do like, like, I don't know, if you like or subscribe, and we're we going to do some giveaway. We talked about doing this, something like that. Yeah, maybe eventually we hadn't talked about we it. We need to do that. Lot. We mentioned it one time, yeah, I think, need, afterwards. There will be a giveaway coming here coming up we'll just give away so something we'll, cool some yeah. badass yeah we'll give away a full 100 percent sponsored two-hour lesson with bridger <laughs> yeah he's not gonna do on that. a friday evening <laughs> he's a guy he's a guy who does he doesn't coach hey. the old phrase if you can't do coach those that bridger can't is can do those that can't coach. teach yeah. coach, or those that can't teach do exactly <laughs> he's the opposite of that he's I mean, he's gonna make damn sure I mean he if you need do. anything like put into layman's terms I can probably help you out because I'm just a dumb redneck but yeah you're yeah that's true we're in a hat rack point no but shoot. let's we're, we are gonna come up with something like that we need to work on that yeah I think it'd yeah. be kind of cool let's try we'll to get, get our listeners up and and you guys are sharing it out there we got a we got a pretty good audience right now we'll get that giveaway and, uh, going and um you know Quick shout out to the people that have been cool with us. We got the guys at Black Rifle that dropped off a lot of coffee for us to yeah. keep think, these podcasts hyper. Yeah, there I you think go. if uh, there's anything we have enough of, it's definitely coffee. Coffee, yeah, exactly. That keeps us going. Um, 
one other thing for a good friend of ours, Crystal Govin. If yeah. you haven't seen her page, go check her out. CJG X10. X10 yeah. uh, she's doing custom uh, training plans for people. It's not a lot of money, but she will customize a, a training plan for you, whether it's 3D, it's a five-week, uh, gives you how many arrows to shoot, when to do it, what to do. Yeah. Um, she's doing really good on that, so go check her out on Instagram or shoot her a message on, on Facebook. Cool. So, All right. Until next time, see you guys. Peace out, folks. <laughs>